you've come to the right place if you're looking to create, launch, and scale a high-value online training program. I'm your guide, Chris Badgett. I'm the co-founder of Lifter LMS, the most powerful learning management system for WordPress. Stay to the end. I've got something special for you. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome back to another episode of LMS Cast. Today I'm joined by a repeat guest. His name is Josh Hall. You can find him at joshhall.co. He's a course creator. He's a WordPress expert. He's a membership site creator. He is just an all around awesome dude. Welcome back to the show, Josh. Thanks for having me again, Chris. I'm excited to have a an extended chat with you. Uh, the last time we did this, we did it for an hour and it felt like 10 minutes. So uh, <laughs> yeah. we were both joking about let's, let's have a, let's have a Joe Rogan style extended call and see where it goes so we can really dive into some of this stuff. So I'm so excited to chat with you again, man. You're one of my favorite people to talk about this kind of stuff with. So I'm excited. Yeah. And, I, and I'm excited too, just cause I see there's so much friction. It's hard enough to like build an online business to, to, and to build a website and then for the website to be the product itself and it has all these components. There's so many areas where people get stuck or just under optimize or tunnel vision or whatever. Like I'm, I'm just really excited to see where we go here today. Um, so for if this is somebody just listening to this for the first time, give me your elevator pitch of who you are and what you do. So again, my name is Josh. I'm based in Columbus, Ohio. I am first and foremost a dadpreneur. So I live uh, here in Columbus, Ohio with my wife and we have two, two lovely little girls at the time of recording this, three years old and one and a half. So it's a little, it's a wild time uh, and you'll likely hear them at some point outside <laughs> my door here <laughs> during the call. Um, so I love being at work from home dad and, and husband. And it's been really cool because I've been able to do that for a long time. I was a web designer. I built my agency up as a freelancer and a solopreneur. I scaled it. And then I sold that web design agency in 2020. And I went full time with my personal brand at joshhall.co. And that is where I create courses for web designers. So I have created at this point, a suite of nine web design courses that help people do two things, either learn how to build websites and then subsequently grow their own web design business. So I've worked over the past couple of years with building those courses up, supporting them. Uh, at the time of recording this, I'm closing in on 900 students, which has been super cool. Um, last year, I launched a membership, which is kind of my premium web design club as a an extension uh, to kind of bring a lot of my tribe together. And I'm sure one thing we'll talk about now as well is I've created a student center, uh, which is kind of a support forum. I pulled all my Facebook groups or all my groups from Facebook. Um, so right now I'm supporting my students building and, and supporting the, and maintaining these courses. However, uh, I'm at an interesting crossroads with my journey because now I'm kind of entering into new territory with what I like to dub web entrepreneurs. I'm actually starting to create courses on what I'm doing now, which is, um, a, I just released a course on creating a course. Uh, I've got a lot of questions about podcasting. I want to start creating a course about podcasting, about video marketing. So it's kind of a whole new realm. And that's why I'm so excited to pick your brain, Chris, because I don't feel like I'm stuck. I'm not struggling. But what's happening is there's just so many different ways to go. And I, I need to kind of get my thoughts down and, and get, a, get, a, get a bit of path that's kind of cleared out. That's kind of where I'm at right now. 
That's awesome. Well, one thing just to kind of frame this conversation, I did a previous uh, LMS cast podcast episode with a guy named Dane Maxwell, and he talked about finding what he called the holy grail of business, which is uh, to have a clear customer uh result, a specific result and a mechanism. And like, literally, if any of that is off, that's where like 99% of the friction comes. And Dane did a, did a really good job with that. So it's, um, <clears throat> what I see in the, uh, you know, the, the people like yourself, who I call education entrepreneurs are, they're super smart, super motivated, super driven, super adaptable, super learn on the fly. Um, but, and, and you can change things around the audience and like serve multiple groups and stuff, but I've seen things where it works well and where it doesn't. So let's, let's go into there. Um, tell us more about, uh, how you're transitioning to, from people who build websites and then teaching them how to run an agency. And now you've got this market of, um, web entrepreneurs or or what i would call like an online business person but tell me more about the web entrepreneur well the web entrepreneur is interesting and i don't know if this is a market that's tapped into it all and that's kind of one reason i wanted to, to talk with you about this chris is to see if you've seen anything similar i could absolutely completely change trajectories at some point whether it's in the near future or maybe a few years down the road to just go online entrepreneur but I don't want to be like one of my good mentors is Pat Flynn. Love Pat Flynn. I've been through a lot of his courses. I've had him on a podcast. Incredible mentor. Big name as an entrepreneur. His, his type of customer, though, is all over the place with yeah. where they're at in their journey, what type of entrepreneur they are. What, one thing that I've found that's been really interesting and I think that could potentially separate me from a lot of the other people like Pat Flynn who deal with all sorts of entrepreneurs is I have really struck a chord with people who come from the WordPress and web design world and are doing more than just websites. They are now adding courses to their mix, whether it's for clients or whether if they have their own video show. Um, one of my web design students created a podcast based off of his background, which was in law enforcement. He used to be in law enforcement and then he became a web designer. Now he's doing web design and marketing for law enforcement. It's really interesting. So there's all these different types of people who I, I've just kind of kept a pulse on a lot of my audience and a lot of them are becoming web entrepreneurs. So they're good with web design, they're good with WordPress, but they're adding a lot more to their business. Some people might gravitate towards copywriting or SEO or branding and web design is kind of a part of what they're doing. Um, so that's what has kind of led me to, to realize that I, I've kind of tapping into a new market and I don't know if somebody else is already doing that. Um, most people are just tapping into the kind of the general entrepreneur who may not know anything about web design. Uh, and then there are people who are just catering to web designers, which I've been doing. But I, I realized through keeping an eye on my students, having my membership, and then also just listening to questions. A lot of people are asking me questions about creating a course, wanting to know my process. A lot of people have been asking me about podcasting. So I end up repeating the same thing over and over again. And I think I've told this to you before, Chris, it's something I preach. If you do something over and over again, make it a template or make it a guide or make it a course that you can just sell over and over and save your time. So that that's kind of the uh, the jettison of this idea and I, where I'm kind of putting my my foot into this this uh, new pool, if you will. 
Well, I'll share some thoughts on why I think this is good and why I'm not scared. I'm almost like listening okay. to you, like looking for any like red flags or anything like that. That's what um, I was hoping for. Cause I didn't want you to be like, Josh, I'm worried you're going to do this and <laughs> your audience. The reason I'm not scared is because what there's a couple things that I see humans having a hard time with, uh, which is exponential growth, like really understanding that the, the law of compounding, but also like fourth dimensional planning, like really thinking through time. And, and you're probably not like this. Um, it's one of the things that makes you a good marketer, a good community builder. Like you're just, you're thinking about these people and you're watching them evolve through time. So too quick, I'm thinking about your avatar. It's becoming clear in me because we have a lot of overlap here. So like uh, Sean Hesketh, who has the WordPress 101 site, wp101.com, happens to be powered by Lifter. But before that, he was an agency and he built sites for clients. And as time goes on, I mean, I don't know his original origin story of WordPress, but something happened back there. He was actually a designer, like a, a non-web designer. And then he got into the internet and he needed to learn WordPress. And then he, he ended up wanting to teach WordPress, uh, which is what you're talking about. Somebody who learns how to build a website, then they build an agency, and then they teach. So because he's, this is the same person, we're just looking at a path like fourth dimensionally through time of this type of person. So I really like it. Melissa Love in your community is a, a Divi person. Same story. Offline uh, graphic designer, turns to the internet, uh, becomes an agency owner for photographers. And then uh, now she teaches stuff to other marketers. And, and she has some, a platform called The Marketing Fix. And then inside there, her students kept asking her about like building courses and stuff. So she's got a thing about building courses now like this, because I can see this pattern and I, I, in my mind, I can think of like 10 more people just like these, this, like you got a niche here. This is a person that we're looking at, like, you know, they're in the cocoon here or they're the caterpillar, then they're in the cocoon and then they're the butterfly. Like, it's just, it may look different, but it's the same creature moving through time. I love that. Melissa is a great example. I can't believe I didn't really think, I guess I did not realize that she was doing, you know, courses and stuff for people who wanted to learn more courses and entrepreneurial kind of stuff, which is great to, great to hear. I did. I didn't realize she was too far into that because I've, I view Melissa's kind of like a, almost like the girl version of me. Yeah, like she's amazing. She's, she's awesome. Yeah, she's awesome. I love Melissa. She, what's interesting too what I found to be best is I teach basically myself from like three years ago that, yeah. that like my ideal students are in a place where I was either five years ago to three years ago. And that's kind of where this idea came from with these different courses that are outside of my quote unquote web design courses. Um, and that's what, what's kind of cool is I love teaching while I'm in it. And yeah. while I, I get, you know, like I have a great course course process now that I've done 10 courses and I like sharing that and I'm kind of knee deep into it. I'm excited to dive into my podcasting course, which I plan to do next because it's been a game changer for me in my business. It's where a, a large percentage of my best students come from. Um, so I'm really excited to share that and while I'm in it. And I love doing that for my web design courses. And what's interesting is you know, I still, I don't know how much you know about the sale, the sale of my business, Chris, but I sold my agency. One of my students actually took it over 
And so we worked out a deal. It was not a sexy sell. I didn't, you know, I didn't get a yacht after I sold the business. It wasn't something like that. It was a long-term sale because he didn't have much capital to work with. My courses were growing. It was so, I was making way more with online courses than I was with agency work. And I just, you know, there are a lot of reasons I wanted to sell my business. But uh, he took it over and we worked out a long-term deal. Now, I still have direct contact with him. And I kind of oversee him and, and the team. And he just kind of keeps me up to date with what's going on, how they're managing everything. So it helps me stay fresh with web design. Um, because I'm already, to be honest, feeling a little out of touch with some web design stuff when it comes to code. And um, I'll be honest, I don't know if you know this, the last full website I built was in the spring of 2018. Okay. So like at the time of recording this, this is three years later, I'm already, you know, feeling a little like, you know, I, I remember everything and I'm, I still, you know, tweak around with CSS and I, I can still build a site from the ground up, but there's stuff that's new coming out that I just, I either frankly have lost the drive for, or I just, I've got bigger fish to fry with what I'm doing. Like I'm much more interested in all of these web entrepreneur based type of stuff rather than getting into the weeds and the technical aspects of web design. Now I'm basically, I'm at the point now where I'm hiring people to do that. So, um, all that to say, I think I can still service the people who want to learn Divi, which is the theme that I use and want to learn the processes that I use. And I can still keep up to date on that, but I love having this third option for people to get into if they do want to become more of a web entrepreneur and not just an agency owner. Well, I think it, you kind of have a choice between two options. And this is very common for entrepreneurial type people where they, uh, you know, they evolve and they kind of, the basically the way it works is um, you're going to tire out about certain subject matter way before your market ever does. Like, so you have a decision and if you're an entrepreneur that likes to be building the new and you're always evolving and improving yourself and, you know, maybe you're the, the you of three years ago that you're trying to help has now changed. So you need to help a slightly different type of person. Uh, that's like where you're in your sweet spot. So I think the choice that you have is, and there's not a right or wrong answer here, but like, are you going to be like a comet where as you move forward, your, your programs, um, it, they just evolve and you, you, they head in certain directions and the avatar shifting, but the old back catalog, like for me as an example, I put a WordPress course on Udemy a long time ago for free mostly for lead gen for a client business. At one point there was like 30,000 students in there or something like that. And, uh, and finally they kicked me off the platform because it was so outdated. So I was like the comment, like I became an agency guy and then a software guy. And then I just kept going, but, but I didn't pay attention to my back catalog. So the choice you have, I think is, um, do you want to, in your business, um, bring in outside resources to update the back catalog, or are you okay with like a slow, slow burn in the comment tail? My plan was to keep my courses, my technical courses up to date for the next couple of years, at least. I, I yeah. think that's very feasible on my end. Um, luckily like my Divi beginners course, I can update that pretty easily. Uh, that's not a huge course. I'm still very well versed in Divi. I still use it. I edit my own site. Even with the people I have working with me, I still will get in and tweak stuff and play around with it. So I would foresee me being able to keep all those up to date 
for the next couple of years. After that, I don't, I don't know. Um, I would be very willing now that I have this incredible network to bring people in to support that kind of stuff. But my problem with that is it's under my brand. It's joshhell.co. It's not like webentrepreneur.co or something like that, which I'm not opposed to potentially kind of having a rebrand eventually as well. Um, well, a couple of thoughts, a couple of thoughts there. Like if you look at Melissa Love's marketing fix, she brings in guest experts. So it's not the, she, Melissa Love has a strong personal brand, but her coach and her, her membership community uh, like KPC comes in to teach about active campaign and there's all these niche experts that come in. So it's bigger than her. Um, I'm in a software coaching business uh, or uh, program with a guy named Dan Martell. He's got all kinds of other experts involved in the back end, helping make the magic happen. But I do think that's another choice to it's some people just like, I want the simplicity of a solo solo. I don't want to manage a bunch of other personalities but then some people are like, I'm going to make this thing, turn it more into a product brand than a personal brand. But it's not like a switch you flip. It's a process. Well, and what's interesting is I've already put my, I've already gotten to that realm because with my web design club, which is very new at this point, again, that's kind of like my mastermind style premium community that, that, you know, you're a part of Chris and you've, I know you're keeping an eye on some stuff. I do that now there. I have monthly trainings for all my members. And every month I either, I either give a presentation or more recently I've had other people come in and teach about stuff. For example, at the time of recording this, the last presentation was on advanced custom fields, a WordPress plugin. I've never used that before. I don't know anything about it, but I brought somebody in to teach on that. Uh, the next one is about email deliverability and, and DNS, which my expert guy, who Amer, who you know, He's the expert on that stuff. He's doing a presentation on that. And I love it because I can host the call and I can feed him questions and he can he can share his knowledge and we're all learning. So I, I've definitely dipped my my toe in that end of the pool just because I, I kind of figured that's where I would be heading. Um, I still think for the foreseeable future, I will keep my courses up to date myself. Um, but the way that things have changed, even the past couple of years for me, I would not be surprised if within a couple of years, it's something to where I, I might not be the Divi guy anymore. Like a lot of people knew me as the Div, the Yoda of Divi is what they called me, but yeah. again, I haven't, I haven't built a site from the ground up myself in three years. So I almost feel like I'm a bit out of touch and I wanted to share this with you too. I figured this would come up cause this is one kind of red flag for me that made it really interesting. Um, there's a podcast called Divi chat where they meet every week. It was one of the ways that I kind of built up my authority in that space. And we were on that chat for the 200th episode of Divi chat with Nick Roach, the owner yep. of elegant themes. And as they were all talking about some technical stuff with Divi, I felt like a, a, a little, a little bit of an outsider because number one, I'm not building the sites out as much with Divi. So I was kind of like, I, forgot Divi did that. I didn't even realize they made that update. The other aspect of me was like, I'm just not as interested in the the tech stuff of a theme now. I, I just, I think now that I'm in, in such a different zone with my business, um, and it's not that I'm better than anything, but I'm just, I don't have as much interest in that as I do podcasting and marketing and, and email marketing and course building. So that's what's kind of interesting for me is I feel like I'm being, um, almost pulled into a, a little bit of a different niche. And again, one thing I, I realized is as I kept an eye on, particularly my members who are in my web design club, 
a vast majority of them are web entrepreneurs. Um, I just launched the, my new course at the time of recording this about building an online course, and over half of the people who signed up are in my web design club, which tells me they are all really interested in building their own courses for their clients or for their own little web entrepreneur type of businesses. So I found that to be really interesting because I didn't know. I didn't know how that was going to go. I didn't know if three people were going to sign up or 300 people were going to sign up. Right now, I think I'm closing on 60 people who signed up for and over half of them are members. So I thought that was really interesting. A couple of points. Like one thing I've seen some people do with these training sites is really hard to do for like a tutorial based training, but, um, there's a strategy I use just in management delegation where you don't full delegate, but you do what I call 10, 80, 10, where like, let's say you were going to do a Divi course. You, you still do like the first 10% of it, uh, maybe the front, the intro and the outro, but then you bring in somebody in the, the middle to do the main thing and they're up to speed on the latest Divi. Uh, and you kind of, you, you don't just like get rid of it, but there's like this delegation technique there. Um, you might also be able to license a course from somebody. Uh, and then another strategy I've seen people do is pivot from uh, like click by click tutorials and try to teach the content without going into specific tools. That can be hard to do with websites though, but right. Right. Uh, that's, that's well, the challenge there. Yeah, that's worthwhile bringing up too. That's another thing that I've realized. And again, it just, I think one benefit of me being so customer minded and high touch with people is that I'm really getting a read on where they're at. And a few years ago, all of my audience were just Divi users. Right now, I would say about 40% are Divi, maybe, maybe half are Divi. The rest of them are also using Elementor or Oxygen or other builders or a combination of all three. So a lot of my courses, actually, the only course that I've created that is strictly Divi is my Divi Beginners course. I have some other courses that have Divi in the title, but it's just because that's what I use in the course. But when I teach CSS, you could apply that CSS knowledge to any other theme. Um, my web design process course, you can apply that to any theme. So it's kind of interesting, uh, you know, whether I intentionally did this or not, the reality is a lot of my students are not just using Divi now. So I feel like I, there, it would be stupid of me not to appeal to them as well because it is what it is. A lot of people aren't just using Divi for me. Yeah, so maybe there's a way to repackage it without getting specific into the tools. And this is one, when I made that comment earlier about something that people don't get is exponential change to, um, or, or compounding, technology is changing and evolving on an exponential curve. So like, so like in WordPress and just watching the page builders come and Gutenberg and blocks and then this headless, all this stuff is just like, it's just going fast. So to attach to like one brand while in the past, like it was easier to like go with something like Genesis sure. or Divi or whatever, just for a long time, the rate of change now and the competition and the thin slicing of all the different options is just accelerating exponentially which is a challenge for uh, a technology tutorial driven educational product. That's a good point. And I've seen that with some of my um, co-opetition colleagues like uh, Daryl Wilson, who has a great YouTube channel. He's dealing with a lot of builders. I, I thought about going that route. I thought about being a more just YouTube driven type of tutorial base. Cause that, that is a strong suit of mine. I love teaching and people love my tutorials, 
But I then realized like, I don't necessarily have a drive to, to even have hundreds of thousands of subscribers and just have to release a new video every time there's an update. I just, it doesn't suit my personality. It doesn't interest me. I would much rather build a, a tribe of people, which is what I'm doing now and know them and be able to engage with them constantly and know and you know see their businesses grow and see them create stuff for their family like that's that's much more what I've built and what I'm excited to build and um that's where I agree like I don't want the the technical aspects to necess- necessarily stand in the way I want to cover that enough to help people and show what I use and what I know but I I am not the guy to come to for answers about all theme builders that's not my not my brand not my style yeah. Well, let, let's dig more into the avatar a little bit here. When you say web entrepreneur, how is a, like a web agency owner uh, and, a, and a web entrepreneur different in your mind? Isn't a web agency owner already a type or like, tell me more about this distinction. That's that's a good point. They're close. I guess they're, I mean, you could absolutely be a web agency owner and, and be more of an entrepreneur, but I would foresee the difference being a web agency owner is strictly working with clients and it's services service. Yeah. Service-based web entrepreneurs are entering to a realm where they might be teaching like myself, or they might be um, sharing more courses about what they know that also help other web people. For example, my SEO gal, Michelle, she is a um, just a top-notch SEO keyword research website editor. She's great at editing content and stuff like that. Well, for her, what's been really interesting is because she works with me and my my web design agency, she's she's become our gal for keyword research and all that stuff. And she's now working with a lot of people in my web design club and in my network. And one thing I've realized with her is that more and more people are not only hiring her for direct SEO work, but they're also hiring her as kind of an extension of their businesses. And she is in a prime spot to where she could make a course about how to do keyword research or editing that she could sell to other web entrepreneurs and web design agencies, but she could also do service work too. Like she could really do the best of the both worlds. She's a perfect example of somebody who could use my kind of stuff with creating a podcast or creating a course that she could add to her services. So it's really interesting. And And I will say, Chris, I love this. I think this is a very cool, like, you can do whatever the heck you want to do. If you want to do service work and you're done with that and you want to move into this realm, you could do that. You could do service work and just raise your rates to where you're more, you're taking on less and less service work and you're doing more passive income style work like this with, um, you know, more authority building. There's so many different ways you could go nowadays, which is really, really cool. Um, And I think the value of selling what you know because you've got some expertise in it and you've paid your hard dues with learning that. I think that's just so cool. I think there's more opportunity now than ever for people to feel comfortable diving into a course, even if it's their first course or, you know, like Michelle, my example, she could a hundred percent do a course on keyword research. And a lot of people would be all about it because that's what she does. That's her thing. So I say all that to say, there's a lot of examples like that over and over in my circle where I'm seeing this, this web entrepreneur that is a little bit different than your typical web agency owner that's just dealing with service style work. So we're productizing here. And, uh, you know, there's the concept of information products. Uh, there's, there's a lot of words here, which I'm going to unpack. So 
some people build training-based membership sites. Some people call it a coaching program. Some people call it an online course. Some people call it a membership. Some people call it uh, something else. But the um, like, how tied are you to like? I help people. Uh, I help digital agencies, service owners uh, launch scalable online courses. Or is it bigger than just online courses? Or do you want to stay focused on online courses? Uh, that would just be one type of course, along with my other suite of what I'm... Right now, my plan is to create a whole new section of my website that's geared around web entrepreneurs. And I want to kind of coin that term because I do think it's something real and something that... Well, I know it's something real because all the people in my club are signing examples of that. So you help... You help uh, web agency owners productize yes, like more there's, broadly there's essentially three so last time we talked i had two main customers people just learning web design and they wanted to learn divi in the process and want to learn woocommerce and all the tools that at least i know and have shared about and then the second was people who wanted to start or really grow their own web design agency and I have a business course that helps them through that. I've got a maintenance plan course to teach them how to build recurring income. Now there's this third set of, of people with my, with my newest course and what eventually I'll continue to build more courses out for me about two or three years ago, which is people who have their web design business, they want to add more. They have a drive to, to either productize their knowledge uh, or, or again, like Michelle, perfect example, have something they're really good at and they want to do that at scale. Or maybe they want to, you know, have something that is almost, it's almost like a lead in, like somebody could buy a course and decide I really, this is, this is the girl I want to hire her for our SEO stuff. So that's kind of the new realm. That's my third kind of customer avatar, I guess, if, if that's, if that's. Yeah. Yeah. It, there's a, there's a part with this too, where, um, like I'm just thinking my own journey as a digital agency owner. I didn't just, there wasn't a day where I became a product guy, like a software product guy. There's all this overlap and I built some productized services and then built digital product. Um, sometimes people focus on for the avatar, the pain, like they really want to stop being uh, time for money or working with clients or whatever. But I think the reality is some people like, like it, they're just trying to augment or uh, some people do want to make a full transition and some people just want to explore and see what happens. I think, I think your, your market is, you're probably open to all of the above. Is yes, that right? Definitely. Because yeah. that's the way I was. I, I was not burnt out from client work or service work. I, I just simply love teaching. I, I will say it is way harder to do what I'm doing now than to build a web design agency. It is yeah. it's much harder. Now, I have more freedom than I've ever had in my life. A lot of times I'll work, like this week, I'll probably work 25 hours, maybe, maybe 30. Um, I have those kind of freedoms, but I've worked my ass off to get to this point. And I've worked really hard at building my name and my authority in this space. And it's been a very slow burn. I didn't make like any money doing this for the first year. Thank goodness I had my web design agency, although I really didn't have any products I sold, so that didn't help. But um it worked in combination. So I'm definitely open to everybody. Um, and I think there's a great, I think there's a great opportunity for people who want to do both, who might want to launch their, their own online course, just to have something on the side to have an additional income stream could open some new doors, see if they like it. 
And that may open them up to doing something else. Maybe they want to build their own community or maybe have their own video channel or their own podcast. There's, there's all sorts of options by adding this kind of stuff, just like I did. So yeah, I think, I think 100%, it's really dealing with people who are across the, the entire spectrum. So how is a web entrepreneur different from a smart passive income audience member? Ooh, great question. So yeah, we were talking about Pat Flynn with with his audience, which is huge. You know, they they get entrepreneurs from all over the place. Um, I think the difference would be a web entrepreneur is gonna have a pretty good idea of how to build a website and they're gonna have a good idea about like potentially some email marketing or at least you know, they're techie. They're techie. Yeah, that's yeah. it. They're techie. They're the last time we talked, you had a great example where a um a good web designer or freelancer is going to be part hipster, part hacker, part hustler. Uh, <laughs> yeah. This would be the hacker. This, you yeah, know, like they they know they can figure that stuff out for the most part. They don't need to be an expert on email or whatever, but they they have a good, well rounded knowledge of all that. Most of them will be web designers, and and this is where I think I have an extra opportunity with these folks because since I was a web designer for so long, there are so many people who are web designers. And then a, a vast majority of web designers get to a point in their journey where they want more. They don't want to spend their, they don't want to trade their time for money. They don't want to just work for an agency. They, they want to do more. And inevitably web designers are asked to do more because a company generally doesn't hire a web designer and just say, build our website. Thanks so much. They always ask them, do you do social media? Do you do email marketing? Can you help us set this up? Can you help set up our Calendly, Calendly invites? Then you get into like web strategy. So um, web designers are used to having a lot more to do around with just websites. So I think that's where this is kind of the step up from that. They can really become a, a web entrepreneur. Web design can still be a part of what somebody does, but it doesn't have to be the only type of service. That's where I, I think this separates this market from the smart passive incomes, the the super fast business with James Shramko, who's still my business coach, who I know you've talked about before. Um, he's dealing with people who are mainly just entrepreneurs at heart. They don't know anything about web stuff. Uh, online business owners. Online business owners. Yeah. yeah. So that's the big difference. Yeah. See, this is the thing. There's a lot of nuance to the niche, you know, like uh, I think it was Pam Slim, Escape from Cubicle Nation. Uh, is like a certain kind of crowd. Um, Chris Gilbo's Art of Nonconformity crew, uh, Jeff Walker, Product Launch Formula crew, um, you know, James Shramko, Superfast Business, Pat Flynn and his stuff, even though they're like similar, they're different. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, in terms of like audience building and targeting, like if we know the tools, like they're already techie, so they already know WordPress. That's that's a great qualifier. Forty percent of the internet built with WordPress, so you can, uh, and you know where to go to like market. There's plenty of WordPress groups and uh, content creators and stuff like that. Um, well, what's the what's the biggest challenge around this avatar? Is it a fear of abandoning the base, or is it uh, yes? That's is that what it, it is? That's yeah. it. It's it's like, am I? And that's why I had planned on supporting my my Divi beginners course and potentially adding some more resources. And 
like I still might do like uh, how to build a Divi website 2022 and have that be a funnel into that course. And once people go into that course, they want to build their business. Once they build their business, they realize maybe I can add an online course. I could take them through the entire like journey with me as well. So I do think that's something I, again, for the foreseeable future, I don't plan to, to, to mess with because like you said, the WordPress ecosystem is so big and so valuable. And there are so many, this is a big thing too, Chris, there are great people in WordPress. And I think there are, I'd venture to say, and I'm a part of Pat Flynn's uh, SPI Pro, the pro community. There's a lot of great people in there as well. But there was an interesting problem that one of my colleagues who was in a mastermind group in there told me recently, and that was he joined this mastermind with a lot of people in there, but they were all so different. Like they were in completely different phases of their business. Some people didn't even know what WordPress was. Some people were, were really good with WordPress. So that can be really hard to gel with people when you've got people just in all different situations. By focusing on people who are in the WordPress realm and our web designers, even if they use Elementor or different builders, there's still a lot of commonality there. And my content can really help people you know, that have that base, that, that foundational base. And like I said, they're just such great people. Like the best, some of the best people I know are folks like yourself and people in and around Divi and WordPress and, and the different tools. So that's something I definitely am, am very careful of protecting. Um, regardless, I've kind of moved on from the Yoda of Divi. I never use that title. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm past that. Um, but it is tricky. I don't want to necessarily get too far from that right now. Uh, but I also don't want to limit myself and I don't want to neglect the need for this web entrepreneur side of things, you know? Well, I think that whole, the guy thing, you know, of like being known for something in a category, like the Divi guy or, the web entrepreneur guy, like, I think it's okay for your, your guy thing to, to change. Um, so uh, like, if you had to say like the, this new, the guy that you're becoming, it's, you're not the Divi Yoda guy. You're kind of transitioning into a new guy. How would you describe that? Like, I think the web entrepreneur guy is yeah, yeah. what I had in mind. It's funny you said that. Cause that was literally what I was thinking about. Like if I were to kind of rename revitalize my brand, it would be potentially the web, web entrepreneur guy. And maybe I would keep joshhall.co. Maybe, I mean, there's a, you know, to like redo a website and do a whole new branding change. That's, that's a big deal. I've got hundreds of posts that have joshhall.co and podcast links. So that's a, that's a whole nother ball game if I were to completely rebrand that. And I guess the positive of having a personal brand is it doesn't really matter what type of tools or, or persona I have within my personal brand. It's, it's me. So I think that's a benefit potentially. Um, now I could always rename my podcast. It's currently the Josh Hall web design show, but if I were to rebrand that to, you know, the web, web, you know, web entrepreneur with, with host Josh Hall or something, that's something I'm definitely open to. Yeah. Yeah. That, that makes a lot of sense. Um, one of uh, my my business coach guy Dan Martell he he was on on this podcast before and he was telling his story. He started with a program called the Elite Entrepreneur, um, and he had built a lot of software companies. And one of his friends was like, uh, "Why don't you focus on SaaS entrepreneurs and not just general entrepreneurs?" And it really took off for him. He got he got the focus. Um, you're like a hardcore problem solver. So like you can help a lot of people, but you're 100% right that if 
community is an aspect of the product. Um, people want to feel found. They want to have that sense, that feeling of finding the others. Like, so just to put a little color on that, I was building websites by myself and in uh, Montana. And I just randomly saw a blog post by Chris Lemma about this little mastermind retreat he was doing in Cabo, uh, Mexico. And I went down there uh, with my business partner. And that was my literally the first time I ever actually stepped out from behind my computer and oh, rubbed wow. shoulders with the WordPress, some WordPress people. And I was like, oh, I found the other. So that sense of belonging of like, okay, let's let's nerd out about like e-commerce or marketing or working with clients. And we all have these problems and work-life balance. And it's like, we're all the same. I mean, we're different, but we we had a common uh culture that that could help us so it's super yeah. important that's why that, I, yeah go ahead yeah that that is huge and that's what i found with the divi community as you know the divi community is just one of the the top in the online space what is interesting though what i found to be fascinating was there's really the three levels of my avatar my customer base right now are really echoed online with these groups because Typically, Divi website designers are going to join free Facebook groups, which I do run a free Facebook yeah. group for Divi web designers. It's called the Divi web designers Facebook group. That's at 23,000 people now. Um, now, I'm not barely active in there at all anymore. And I have my VA and some other colleagues who do the member approvals and stuff now. So I'm really not... I'm not doing it much in there at all anymore. I don't know what I'm going to do with that. But that's kind of the first level for people who want to get support with just Divi. And then the next phase, the next up step from that is my student center. So this new news since I talked with you last, Chris, is I'm using Circle, which is the platform that I built my membership through. I had such a good experience with my premium membership that I decided to open up a student center, which is a support center for all my students. So it kind of encapsulates the first two group of people. It's web designers who are learning Divi and web design and get some support there. But it's also the agency owners and the business people who are building their businesses. And then that leads them perfectly into the web entrepreneur space, which is where most of my web design club, my members, my premium group, most of the people in there are, again, the web entrepreneur base. And, and I, I did not intentionally set that up for those people. It just happened. It just naturally, the people who are serious about their business are, and then are investing, like that's a premium club. It's 99 bucks a month. It was 79 for founding members before that ended. Um, they're paying to be there. And that's 79 bucks a month, even with the discounted rate. That's a, that's a lot for, for a monthly membership that people who might be making anywhere between 25 to 50 to six figures are paying. So um, I've really collected this incredible group of web entrepreneurs and I feel like this is an untapped market. And these are the people who come from my podcast and people who are willing to invest in their future. And they're like the most cool, helpful, savvy, fun people to be around. Um, and it's great because to be honest, like some of the other entrepreneur groups, you get the people who are like, how do I, what kind of computer should I buy? That's not a generally a, que a question you're going to get in a web design group. It's much more about they're, they're savvy enough to be past that like entry level point of, of tech. So that's where I think this is an interesting market to tap into. Well, another framework that might help you, there's this thing called the rule of thirds, like where the human brain can like do three see like three levels and then beyond that it starts getting a little confusing if you're teaching like business as an example the common breakdown is a like 
we've got the beginner in whatever this niche is. And then we've got the the person that's established and trying to scale. And then we have this like top performer inner circle kind of thing. So when I, I hear you talk about all this, um, the building the website thing is kind of like the beginner track. The uh, turning your website skills into an agency is kind of the 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 another track. And then the inner circle or the um, the people who evolve past that are uh, or add that to what they're doing or are building these. They're they're productizing and people it don't really, always. Yeah, it really is beginner business owner slash freelancer. Maybe I would actually say the middle tier is business owner because they're, they grow in their business mm-hmm. and then it's entrepreneur. So beginner owner entrepreneur, that's probably the easiest way I could visualize this. Yeah, this is really good. And then it, it's a question of, um, well, people don't always follow the funnel. So they'll like, you may build this path, but somebody may drop in as like a burnout owner who's like, dude, just can you help me like productize or whatever? Or somebody might stay and I just love building websites. I'm That's all I'm going to do. And that's Great fine. point as well. And one thing, I'm so glad you mentioned that because one thing I did think is that some people are more entrepreneurial, but they still want to learn web design. So they might be interested in online courses and stuff, or they might be an agency owner and maybe they're not going to personally build websites, but I do have more and more agencies right now, which is really interesting, buying courses for their team. And that's yeah. been fascinating with me to me. So I kind of wonder if maybe instead of beginner, if I would just call it, you know, web design, like web designer, business owner, entrepreneur. Those are really kind of the the three. Yeah. The three levels. Because I do have advanced people going through like my process course. And they're really good at web design. They just don't have the best process in place. So that's where they go through my process course and it helps them, you know, cut their builds in half. Um, so that's a that's an interesting take too. Is, uh, and what's, it's, it's honestly kind of cool, Chris, because I think I could have all these courses in these three realms and direct people to, to where they want to go. If, if somebody wants to start out from the ground up, they can follow the entire path and journey. They can stop wherever they want. They could dive into whatever they want or... If somebody, you know, is more advanced and they just want to buy the beginner's course just to teach their team, that's an option as well. I think we could, we can draw some inf- uh, inspiration from other people who have done this, like in, as kind of experts. Um, so I was just pulling up uh, Guy Kawasaki's, or no, Richard, what is it? Um, the cash flow, qu- Robert Kawasaki. Oh, yeah, you know who I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, Robert Kiyosaki. Or- <laughs> so he's basically, he's a, helps people get rich, helps people get wealthy, helps them upgrade their, their uh, financial mindset. And he's strong opinion one way or in some things you may agree with him, you may not, but I always loved his cash flow quadrant. Yeah. So this is That's where we what, actually, when yeah. I, when I had the idea of the three people where they are, that was where that idea stemmed from as I could, cause the cash flow quadrant is, what is it? it you're an employee, uh, self-employed, owner, self-employed, owner and investor. Investor. Right? Yes. Yeah. So he's kind of got four buckets there. And uh I mean maybe yours, you know, you're not really doing the employee. I mean maybe they're learning web design as an employee, but um a model like a simple model that has like four areas or three or whatever and maybe somebody just wants to stay self-employed and they're good. Some pe- some people want to become the agency owner and then some people want to uh you know, in become an investor, like a pat, even a passive investor where you're not even doing any of the work. You're just more deploying capital in strategic ways. It's helpful 
just that simple four box formula kind of shows it's such a powerful tool, but, but he has one website. So, so my question to you is like, um, and I know you're using like different tools, like circle to provide the community and stuff like that, but are you envisioning these things becoming like different brands or you want it to stay as like this, uh, web entrepreneur thing? That's like, more what I'm leaning towards. It suits my personality too. Like I, I am not the typical web person who wants to have a bazillion businesses. And like, like I said, I have a young family. I love working really hard, but I don't want to work that much. So yeah. that it, life balance is huge for me. And and my brain focuses much better if I have a a fairly uh, even like when I look at my call schedule, if I have a ton of calls, I generally, as much as I love interacting with people and I'm extrovert, I tend to get a little overwhelmed. So I don't want to have like too much going on. I, all that to say, I, I don't necessarily want to have a bunch of different brands because I thought about, man, I thought about launching and I own DiviWebDesigners.com. I thought about being the owner of like a tutorial education based Divi Web Designers and have other people do tutorials about Divi and web design. And I just, it never went anywhere because I just didn't really have a uh, a heart for doing that it, exactly. I didn't want to, you know, it, it was just wasn't something I was terribly interested in, something topical like that. So that that's where this idea of having more of a personal brand, um, and again, the web entrepreneur is that a micro brand under my main just personal brand potentially. It could absolutely, you know, maybe, maybe eventually the web entrepreneur is its own podcast. I don't know, but I would much rather just kind of do one thing and have everyone find me on that, that one thing. Um, that's kind of, yeah, that's kind of what I'm leaning towards. And maybe even if I just do the Josh Hall web entrepreneur show, maybe it's different than web design. Uh, that's, that's potentially something I'm looking into. I've done a lot of work with like pricing strategy, especially in the past two years. And one of the most common frameworks is like good, better, best pricing where you have three boxes. And uh, I mean, pricing is like a huge topic, but if you can set it so that each box is associated with one of these three avatars, it helps the, um, and if, if the higher you go, it includes everything before. Also in pricing, there's a concept of add-ons too, which are separate, yeah. like your community is kind of separate, but sometimes using that pricing um framework good better best can help clarify like okay well what do they get here what do they get here what do they get here and does it and it gets it's more expensive ideally just the way the brain works with uh you know like they call it the goldilocks effect with the three beds and, or whatever uh you uh it would it would flow through this so like the web designer is more uh price sensitive than the business owner yeah. who is uh, even, and then the, uh, the top of the entrepreneur is even the less price sensitive. So they get the most value up there. But I don't know if, if like, what, what are you thinking from pricing? Because sometimes if you figure out your pricing down to a spreadsheet, like just like creating the columns and filling in the boxes of the benefit where you can't, you have to put something in the box, it can clarify that. So what, what are you thinking? That's a great point. So as of right now, it's really worthwhile like listing out what products I have and how people pay me for this stuff. Cause as you know, I have a YouTube channel and a podcast. A lot of my content is free, 
But yeah. those those are all the stuff that gets the people in the door and gets them excited. And and a lot of people who subsequently come from my podcast go to my bundle, which is all my web design courses for twelve ninety nine. Which I just looked at the stats on that recently, Chris. I I did not realize this, but over half of my income comes from my bundle. So I know that's my biggie. That's my, that's, that encapsulates the, the first two segment of customers together is, is the bundle. It's all my web design courses. Now I would love to build out my additional suite of entrepreneur based courses, like a podcasting course, a video marketing course, maybe email marketing. I could absolutely foresee maybe another half dozen courses and then eventually I'll have maybe 15 or 18 courses that I could continue to upgrade and, and support and have like a master bundle for like 3000 bucks or something like that. I think that's definitely foreseeable, but it's going to take some time to get there. So pricing wise right now, and actually it's funny you mentioned this because I had planned on here pretty soon writing out kind of like a, a guide, a funnel on my website that is just like, let me help you find what you're looking for. If you're just learning web design, start here. Here are some free resources. I would start with my beginner's course to help you learn Divi and, and blah, blah, blah. If you're wanting to grow your business, here are some other free resources. And, and I would go with my business course, which will teach you this and blah, blah, blah. And then as I build my entrepreneur courses out, that's where I would say if you're really, you know, if you're taking to the next step and you, you want to add online courses and other marketing to what you do, check out my entrepreneur suite. And then here's some free resources. And here's a course that I would recommend for that. So that's kind of what I envision. Um, price point wise, yeah, the first customer set, the web designers are going to have little to no budget. 97 bucks for a beginner's course is going to be a big investment. Um, business owners, they are much more cool with spending several hundred or maybe a thousand or two uh, annually to, to invest in their self and grow their team. And then the entrepreneurs who are building six figure businesses and implementing all this stuff, they're going to be much more in tune to realizing that an online course about a course or a podcasting course is going to add potentially tens of thousands to their, to their business. So, um, that's kind of price bucket wise. It, it kind of depends on what they would want and where they are in their journey and what they would add. But I'd, I'd feel safe to say if I could break this down in the simplest terms, beginning web designers are going to be two fifty under per year. The middle tier business owners are going to be in between 500 and maybe 1500, and then web entrepreneurs are going to be fifteen hundred to five k, something like that. If they're really, you know, focused on like mastermind groups and stuff like that. And let's talk about community from here. Is it um, like the circle site? Is this for everybody as an add-on, or maybe there's certain parts of it for these different avatars? Or Every, everybody could join it as of right now. I don't really promote it much because it's still so new. We're working. I mean, we've really developed an incredible online community that. Yeah. Is, is is tight knit but not clicky. Um, we're we're building that out, and that's where again I realize it's kind of more for the the business owner and entrepreneur. So I've really only been marketing that as more like a personal invite or something that's on top of my business course or my bundle to where like. If somebody goes through my beginner's course, they're probably not going to be ready to join my web design club. They're just and that's fine. They're just not. You know, it's it's ninety nine bucks a month or a thousand a year. It's they're not at that point yet, but if they're designing, if they're building their agency and they're making more and they want to have an incredible network and, and access to me and all the benefits that come with the web design club, 
that's going to be the perfect next step for them. So the web design club right now is really for the, the sit, the latter two, the owners and the entrepreneurs. And for right now, just for the sake of this conversation, Chris, I think I'll just call it web designers, owners, business owners, and entrepreneurs just to. Yeah. Yeah. Simple. That, that makes sense. And I think it's actually completely fine to not really put an application gate, but just to maintain the kind of group you want to maintain that you have to be a business owner or an entrepreneur to even buy that product. It's like a qualification step. Yeah. And, and I think the price point as of right now weeds it, it weeds the people out who are, are just not even going to think like, well, a hundred bucks a month. What? That's insane. I mean, I would have thought that maybe five or six years ago, I'd have been like, well, a hundred bucks a month. Are you kidding me? No way. So yeah, the price point itself kind of weeds people out. And I think, um, I'm, I'm interested to see how I'm going to market that over the next year or so, because of course I'd love to have 500 members paying 99 bucks a month, but that's a whole different ball game than having let right now we've got 87. So that's a whole, it's very manageable right now. Uh, once we get a hundred plus, I'm going to need to really have my systems in place to where I, I need to, to make sure I free myself up. And, um, because there's a coaching aspect in there with people being able to message me, that's something I have to make sure I can manage as well too. Just a quick question. What's it, what a percentage of your week or how many hours a week do you spend on the community yourself? It's down now much better than it, than it was in the first few months, which I knew it was going to be like that. I've yeah. been an entrepreneur long enough to know when you start something, it's going to be a lot of work and a lot of hours, particularly with any sort of subscription type model. So I knew it was going to be a lot. Um, now that I, like I have my VA who does all of the email blasts and she does a lot of the ongoing stuff, um, admin type stuff. That's been a big help. Um, most of it's automated through Zapier and, and, and how I sell through my website. So, um, my generally what I do, I'm spending probably less than 25% of my time right now in the club. Um, so it's about a fourth of my week, which is nice because now I'm able to free myself up to, work on courses. This week is kind of a light week. I, you know, we're doing an extended call. Um, I'm not working on any course stuff. I might jump in and, uh, I just actually am finishing up the launch for this new course. So that's going to be the other big thing I'll do this week. And I'll tweak my website, maybe do a few other things like that and, and some content creation, but, um, it's kind of a mix between all that stuff. So the club is about a fourth of my time and that's where I'd like to, to keep it. Um, that's it cool. depends on, it, it depends on, um, how many questions I'm getting and what I'm doing, but now it's, it's pretty cool on average, unless we're creating something new for the club, we are about to roll out uh, member led calls, which I have some questions about, uh, just to engage people from all different time zones better. Um, so I am spending a little more time on that now, but that's like once that's set up, that'll be time that's off my plate. So, um, yeah, I've always that. admired your your business coach, James Shamko. I, I've just heard him talk about how he's interactive with his community. You know, he owns a race course. He's not putting it on Facebook. And it's uh he I think he's really led well in that space of how to build a great community and also participate with the people through like a the, that format. So and he seems yeah. to really enjoy it too. He so. does, and he shows up. I've been in his membership for two and a half years at this point. Uh, closing in on three and he does show up. Like there's never been a time where I've reached out in our person because I have a private coaching thread with him. Now we don't talk like on video, yeah. Um, but I do have just a, a text thread with him. And sometimes he's kind of short in his answers. I tend to be a lot more long-winded, but he does show up. 
And um, I found that I use him typically, like we don't talk every week. And this is the same thing with my club. Not everyone hits me up every week. They tend to hit me up when they're really going through something or they want my personal advice. But what's really cool now, because I did worry about this, Chris, I was like, am I going to put myself out there to 87 people who can pick my brain all the time? Like that's a lot to keep up with. The reality is I tend to get two to four messages a day. Yeah. And it's like it'd be it'd be like being in a Facebook group and hopping on or just getting random emails. Well, now they're much more concise. They some people feel like they're bothering me. And I'm like, don't feel like you're bothering me. You're paying seventy nine or ninety nine bucks a month to be here and I'll, you know, text or you know, shoot me a message if you have a question. It's kind of like a red phone, right? Like somebody's got it an is. issue. It's it's yeah. it's like an emergency line. Uh, yeah. or if there's just something that you know, maybe they they saw one of my stuff or they're like, I know you had a tutorial on manually migrating a WordPress website. Did you, you have something like that? It's that kind of thing. Or it's um, it's more high level. A lot, of, a lot of stuff I'm getting now is like high level strategy kind of stuff. And the tech questions and stuff like that, they're generally posting in the group. So I'm not even like I can pop into the public threads if, if I want. But a lot of that stuff is kind of self-maintaining now. I'm getting the more high-level stuff. What's really cool about that is it's the the club is really the basis for all of my content now. Yeah. So I'm getting a lot of guests on my podcast who are in the club because they have amazing stories and they're building six-figure businesses. And so that's been really cool. And then if I see a recurring question, like one question we have a lot right now that's going on is about hosting because SiteGround had some changes with their hosting accounts, which is what I use and recommend. So yeah. it's a perfect opportunity to kind of keep up to date with the, the top of mind questions that I can then make contact or content based off of. I think uh, I've seen this over and over again, the people like yourself who are doing like community led growth basically. And it's, it's actually not that complicated. It's, it's what you're talking about. Like somebody picks up a red phone, which means they have a kind of a burning problem, pressing issue or opportunity they want to capture. And uh, this is just, they're just telling you exactly what course to make and you hear it more than uh, twice. Uh, yeah, there's, there's something there. We need to make some content. We need it's to make also- some content half of it is just pointing people to something that's already out there. Whether Traffic control. Yeah. yeah. Or I was like, actually, yeah, we just talked about this in the group. And of course, they're not going to see everything in the group. So I can just search it, find that post, and be like, here you go. They talked about it there. So yeah, that, that's been really cool. That's exceeded my expectations because I really was worried about that getting out of control. But um, there's been so many pros and benefits to that. And it's my base of recurring income now. Now it's, it's you know... Uh, it's really helping my bottom line. So when I do launches and webinars and other content to build around all these different courses, I've got a nice bottom line that is continuing to grow with, with these members, which is really cool. Yeah. Have, I don't know if you've read all the Donald Miller stuff about uh, the story brand and being a guide, uh, not a guru or whatever. Like the guiding thing, I see this a lot in large uh, catalog membership sites where there's just a lot of stuff. Maybe it's been around for a while. A lot of what people are doing is they just need help finding the right thing and they need help like putting the right sequence together of like, oh, we well, not just find it, but do it in this order. And um, one of the things I'm seeing people do really successfully is you may not want to get into like ongoing one-on-one uh, f- virtual coaching but just by adding a one call at the very beginning of their, their um, membership, 
and then do it again in 12 months to have like this strategic growth session where you, and then later you can train a team member to do it to like basically assess the situation and then help them find, help find what the key areas are and then give them a customized plan all in 30 minutes or an hour. That is supremely valuable and helps with, you know, onboarding and activation so that they, they can do that. Yeah. I, I am coaching one member right now. I don't advertise this. Um, I, he just requested it. He's, he already had a six figure business and he just asked, do you do any type of more intensive one-on-one coaching? We do a call every two weeks. I'm kind of just testing it out and I enjoy my time with him. We're really in the weeds with strategies, but I, I definitely have realized it's, it's just not something I'm interested in putting out there publicly. It's, it can't scale that. Um, now he's been a great case study and I've loved, you know, I've seen his business grow dramatically as this particular, Example, he went from print design to web design. So I, you know, I shared a lot of what I've learned with him. But yeah, I can't really do that at scale, which has led me to be really glad that I did not offer one on one coaching via calls because um, what I realized is a lot of this stuff we generally can, can talk about in a smaller group. So yeah. what I am doing. Additionally, with the club is every week I do office hours or I don't call them office hours, but I do a live Q&A. Actually, technically, I only do three Q&As. And then the other week is a a member training, which, like I said, now I'm bringing in colleagues who are putting the presentation together. They're actually doing the presentation. I'm just hosting it. So it's actually only about three hours of my time a month if I don't do a member training doing that, aside from lining that up and all the calls and everything. But those have been really great opportunities for me to answer questions directly. And one thing I found, I'd be curious to see what you see about this with office hours. A lot of times in a group like mine, if I just say, what questions do you guys have? I tend to not get that many questions via text. So what I've been doing is throughout the week, as I'm talking with people and I see stuff, I will just say, hey, this is a great question. I think a lot of other people would be interested in hearing. Do you want to come on live on the Q&A? We'll talk about it. It's almost like a mini coaching session in front of everybody. And and I might do one or two of those on a call, or I'll do a website review or something that's a little more strategy-based. So that's been really, really cool. And the next phase of this, which is one thing I was really excited to talk with you about, Chris was because I have a global community in this mastermind and because I've got people as agency owners and design, well, they're not really just designers in there. They're all business owners and entrepreneurs, but I've got people in all different time zones. It's really hard for people in Australia to make any of my calls because it's three in the morning for them or whatever. So um, one thing that became glaringly apparent is when we did a couple member hangouts, they went over so well. They were so highly received. I did like, we, we you know made it a big deal, come to hang out, everyone can join, we're all gonna interact. The problem is the last hangout I did was 28 people. So 28 people on a Zoom call was very tricky to manage. I had to be very clear about like, yeah. all right, take 30 seconds, introduce yourself. It was had to be very structured. So it became very apparent that there was all these micro meetings happening between members where they would set up one-on-ones and stuff. And there's such a need for like a deeper sense of community and, and calls. So what we're just about to open up are member-led calls to where I'm not personally setting up the call and being a part of it. Now, I've been worrying over my, I've been worrying about all the pros and cons over this for several weeks now, uh, but we're we're close to launching this. What we're working out right now is just the specifics of 
uh, like the tool we're going to use to do that, which I'm still trying to work out how I can do that through Zoom. Um, Circle is eventually going to add native events and live calls, but I don't know when that's going to be, so I can't really bank on that. So for now, we're sticking with Zoom, but what we decided to do, and maybe this will be beneficial for anyone listening, if they're still listening to this point, um, is to do Tuesdays as official club calls. So those are going to include Q&As, monthly trainings, any website reviews, any weekly call that I do with, you know, with Josh. Thursdays are going to be member-led calls, and we're going to do four calls that are going to be open at 2 p.m. on different time zones. So 2 p.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, uh, 2 p.m. London, and then 2 p.m. I think Melbourne will probably do. So Every week or is, it, is that every, every week? Every or, week. Every yeah. week. And what I'm going to do is I've got a handful of members, actually like a dozen, who have volunteered to host a call like once a month or a couple times a month. So we're going to schedule them all out to basically host one of those calls. And those will be the perfect opportunity for members to engage with each other and maybe have smaller groups. Like some of those calls might have five people or just two or three people. And it could be a really good chance to get to know people better and and do it where it's not a one-on-one, but it's not a big 28-person call where you can't you can't talk. So that's what we're working on right now, which I'm really excited about. Um, we're just getting all the specifics together. And what we're debating on doing is with those calls is having some of those be perhaps talk, topical uh, or like what a perfect follow-up if we have a training, like the next training we're doing is on email deliverability. What a perfect opportunity to have that Thursday to, to talk about that in a little more detail with other people sharing about what they've learned and following up with that. So um, that's kind of the next thing we're working on just in the web design club itself, which I'm really excited about. Now, there's guidelines I'm putting in place. I'm kind of writing a handbook. There's obviously, you know, some liability with that, with trusting people to represent me and the, and the brand and not have people outside the club join these calls. So we're working through all that, but we have such a good core group, people who are going to host the calls. I feel confident we'll do a great job with that. Well, I got a bunch of thoughts. I was taking notes as you were, as you were talking there. Um, on the office hours deal, uh, one of the things I did, which might not work for you, is um, I instituted a no, re- we're not recording it policy. And what that did is that that uh, people open up way more or they're less scared about like competitions or whatever. If there happens to be uh, just when people know that it's not being recorded, it creates a more intimate environment. I'm not saying do that for every call, but it was just interesting that and I surveyed my people like. Hey, if I record these, would that would you still show up? Or and I got a bunch of resistance. So that's just where I ended up just sharing that idea. Um, that is interesting. I I do record them and post the replay. We get quite a bit of feedback on the replays, so yeah, um, I'd be hesitant to that. But I, I that definitely makes sense, particularly if we're doing a bit more of like a coaching session. Yeah, um, yeah. Because if somebody's going to be vulnerable, it's it could be like, or it could be like certain topics that are maybe a little more taboo like about like i don't know something like work-life balance or something just getting more into people's details uh just an idea i started doing them with uh in a webinar format but then ultimately ended up flipping it to uh just a regular like zoom meeting and uh it was okay like it didn't fall apart i can manage it even when the the group size gets kind of big but people do need to be trained up around like muting themselves and stuff like that. And, uh, right. Right. 
at a certain size, my assistant will help and she'll just manage the crew and also can manage the door. Like with zoom with the waiting room, there's, um, uh, you know, like they can cross check, like, yep, that person's supposed to be in here or whatever, but yeah, I, I may eventually do that. I think one thing I, I found for sure is that as web designers on their calls, they're often working on a project while they're watching. So uh, there's a couple different learning styles there. I see that too, where I, I got people that are just working and they're just kind of hanging out, listening in the background. And then people that are like fully engaged and then people in the middle. And that's just natural. And I think that's okay. Some people with their camera on, some people off. It's all and good. That's where these member hangouts every Thursday are going to be crucial because that's like, that's their time to be, to be engaged and really network. And, and it'll just give so much more ownership for people in the group. Um, anytime we've had people come on camera and do a little session with me or do a training, they're always so much more engaged rather than just showing up and hanging out in the chat. So I, I'm really excited about that and to be able to include people from, you know, across the world, since it is a global community, that's been very tricky. Uh, and I feel bad. I feel bad for the people in Australia. I've got a handful of members from Australia who have never, I think one has made a, a couple, like one guy got up at 5 a.m. to join a call. And, well, that says uh, a lot about the quality that somebody yeah, does. Think. Yeah, it does. You know, but like I, I feel that because I'm a member of James Ramko's membership. I've never made a live call because they're all at like 3 or 4 a.m. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I just basically use that to occasionally get into the forum and then mainly just to have a direct line of access to James. That's... That's kind of my, you know, that's why I'm a member there. So, um, I'm really, I am excited about that. I'll, I'll definitely keep you posted as far as what we learn with the member calls, but I am excited to give some ownership on that. And Michelle, who I mentioned earlier, uh, the SEO gal, we were having a talk about this cause I do have some members in the club who I really just appreciate their insight. Just like, like we're doing now. I love hearing your thoughts on this is she was like, do you realize that people are paying you 79 or 99 bucks a month? just to hang out with other people like you, they could be doing their separate zoom calls, but they're willing to to do this under your brand and umbrella and pay to be there, which is so cool. And one thing, uh, it was a really cool thought as well is I think that's going to help people want to stay in the club because if they're used to their Thursday hangout that they make maybe every week or every couple of weeks, that'll be such an incentive to, to stay there because if they want to leave the club, eventually it's going to be like, Oh, I don't, I don't want to miss my, my crew every Thursday, you know? So that's, that's kind of something I'm excited. It's going to be a real, a real nice value add for everyone in the club. And it's going to be great for me as the, as the community builder as well. This is a, uh, you know, one of the things I talk about with the five hats that education entrepreneurs wear uh, teaching is one uh, technology is one entrepreneurs one. Uh, uh, community building is one and community building uh, part of what you're doing is you're literally creating an environment. You're creating space that has value. That's its own value. In addition to like your teaching and your content and stuff like that. So it's, that's super important. Um, one of the things I've seen too, is uh, if you want to, uh, to like jumpstart the call, you, I see a lot of people doing these 10 minute tactics. So it starts with this 10 minute like strategy around some key problem that you've been hearing people talk about in the group. Mm. And then uh, there's a solution and then it moves into the Q and A, which primes the pump where if people are like, Hey, so what questions do you have when you front load the call with a, like a little mini training, it can, it can like get people engaged. 
So that's a great point. I appreciate you bringing that up because I have implemented that in a roundabout way. I generally do that if no one has any questions that they post. I'll just I'll ha- kind of have a few posts that were in the club, just as as backups because I know I'll, I'll dive into them. So I I think maybe I'll plan on doing that the next couple, unless I'm doing a website review or bringing somebody on, I'll plan on, you know, I actually have, I have a Q and a here in a couple of days. I'll plan on doing that to where I'll take a few of the questions from the club and then do that kind of like a mini, mini thoughts training session and then open that up to questions. I like that idea for sure. I also have just some back pocket, like I call them controversial issues, even though they're not really that controversial, but like, if I'm talking to web people, if we start getting into hosting or email marketing or page builders or whatever. Like if I need to spur some conversation to Pride and Pump, I've got my like topics that I can go to as well. Yeah. Um, well, the cool thing is too, on my Q and A's, it's generally anywhere between a dozen and 20 people. So if I wanted to, I, I have a couple of times just invited people on the spur of the moment. And that's something too, where I could say, you know, does anyone want to come on and let's just have a little mini hangout here and to see who wants to come on. Some people might just want to keep the camera off and just listen, but um, some people are into that too. So there, it's been interesting, those Q&As, to, to have that touch point every week uh, and to just kind of figure that out because it's definitely – I think it's different for somebody like Pat Flynn who has a weekly office hours, but you know he's got probably hundreds of million sign on to those. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, like I've, I've tuned into a couple, but the thing with that is like, he can't really get too in depth with his answers yeah. or, because he's got to move on and try to get to a lot of people. And the chances of you getting your answer uh, or question answered is pretty slim at this point. So I got, I got another tip there. So I have, I run a call like this for my top customers at Lifter LMS. I call it the Lifter LMS office hours mastermind. And I run that as a meeting with so not in webinar mode. So when people, they're dinging into the call, I always start on time. And I'll just do my little spiel how I open the call. Because you go if I go in there and let people in, uh, people start talking. They, they love it. I've, I've had some people coming to that call every week for like four years. Like, it's cool. But um, this is how I, I open it. I'm just like, especially if I see a new face, I do the full routine, which is... Uh, you know, welcome to today's Lifter LMS Office Hours Mastermind. Uh, this is a place to ask strategic questions, could be technical support or strategy related. Maybe you have a question about some other tool outside of the scope of what we're trying to do here. Um, I'm going to answer a bunch of questions here, but also I'm not the keeper of all the knowledge. There's a lot of smart people around here, similar to you, similar experiences that can weigh in on the issues here. So uh, I'm going to take a list and uh, whoever wants to add something to the list, uh, just speak up and, and, and uh, basically I'll write the name like, okay, Dale, he's looking for email marketing and, and I don't linger on, I'm like, got it. Who else has got something? And sometimes I have a list with like three things on it. Oh. Sometimes I have a list with like 15 things on it. And that way I can manage the hour effectively and everybody gets gotten to. And that's, that's basically how I run it. And I always end on time. So, okay. That's cool. I like that. Yeah. Um, another thing, uh, actually that I learned from Melissa love for her deal is she actually recently, I just interviewed her on this podcast about this. She mentioned, uh, she was bringing in a lot of guest experts into her community and, uh, she started running these co-working sessions, which were more like free form. And she would use zoom and breakout rooms to like help people but people literally just wanted to you know pop open 
the Zoom, uh, be around their peers, be able to like chat, ask Melissa questions, maybe pull into a breakout room. But there was literally no content or anything, but just an opportunity to go to a virtual coffee shop and work together. And I, yeah, I think I think that's where our our Thursday hangs are going to be really cool. Um, they may be they're not going to be structured necessarily. Those are just going to be your yeah, like the yeah virtual coffee shop lounge type of thing. Yeah, so, I mean, people sometimes they just want to connect, and the virtual connection is is you know very important. Yeah. Um, the other thing I've just found too, just FYI, is if I ever my my thing is on Thursdays at four p.m. Eastern. If I ever move that on the calendar for whatever reason, like attendance drops, emails come in or whatever. So once you lock it in, try to keep it where it is because people get really used to it, especially if it's on a weekly rhythm. So Okay, perfect question. So the 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 member calls are going to be pretty easy to keep those two o'clock, those four time zones. That'll yeah. be pretty easy. And then somebody can't make it, then you can join another one. Like one of my members from the UK said that she actually prefers to do those things in the evening for her. So she'll probably join more often on the 2 p.m. Eastern because it's 7 p.m. for her in London. Um, so that should be pretty cool. I do have a question from you about the Tuesday calls, which I'm going to be doing, monthly trainings, all that stuff. My thinking and my question to you is, do you think 11 a.m. Eastern is a better time for those? Or do you think like 2.30 Eastern is better for like a Tuesday call? I was thinking 2.30 yeah. So I've tested this a lot. And for me, I found like three or 4 PM Eastern time is the best. Okay. Uh, and it, it does like, there are some people that it, it excludes, like it is hard for certain time zones to come, but right. I got the most, and we're pretty global. Like I get the most action and some people are up late and some people are up early and whatever it's the afternoon. I've always gotten the highest show up rate, like by, a, by a double, at least. Okay. I don't know why that's, that's great to know. Well, and I, it's interesting because my group, there's a lot of folks from the UK. So yeah. I had thought about doing it at 11, but at 11, you're getting like dinner hour for those folks. If it's like four or five and people with family, that's kind of tough. Um, the two thirty does seem to be a pretty, pretty good time. Um, it, I think either way I'm excluding the Australians when I do that, which is why I think having the member backup calls will be really cool. Um, yeah, but that I was thinking that as well because even at 11 a.m. Eastern, that means the folks in on the west side or, or in the west time zone, they're that's like beginning of the day. That a lot of them might not even be working yet at 8 a.m. So I could see that being tricky. So yeah, that's that's good to know. I think I'm gonna roll with Tuesdays at 2:30, and I'll try to always stick to that. The only time it, it is tricky for me right now, I can manage my schedule pretty easily and keep that time slot open, but. Um, there are occasionally times where with a young family, we have an appointment or something, I've got to move it. So I'm going to try not to do that. But um, do you find it's best to move or- Oh, I double up. I, so this is, I've had this happen a lot and uh, I, uh, I'll i just do a double session. Like if I'm out one week, I'll try to let them know we can advance and not be out last minute. And then uh, the next one, I'll just run an hour longer or start an hour earlier. Oh, okay. And that's that's what works for me. And it's, yeah. Okay. I like that. That's a good point. I really like that. That'd that'd be a lot easier than saying, actually, we're going to do it at 12 PM this week instead of two. I could see that being confusing. And I've run it. I've done the other strategy, which is like, okay, well, we're going to miss this week, but I'm going to do two next week at different times and take an opportunity to hit another time zone. 
it just the show up people just get really used to the the time so the off time that's kind of out of the blue is a little really low show up rate just simply yeah. because of the rhythm well, and I had one of my members said recently, I thought it was genius. They were like, you know what? If somebody really wants to make it, they're going to make it. So, Oh, I got I got another tip for you here. Uh, we, uh, my assistant actually sends an email, like, right. as it starting, you know, you're, you're a busy entrepreneur kids like me, like you kind of schedule your week, I'm sure. But I I'm amazed how many people just like uh, cause I, they just kind of fly in through the email and like pop in like 10 minutes late. Like, Oh, I just got the email. Here I am. So oh, okay. like, so like I've starting, 20, I've been doing it 24 hours in advance. Do you think I do I that too. Do? Oh, okay. So I have a 24 hours heads up and then a starting now, like right now, click the link to join mm. the other ninja move, which I haven't done, which I've seen a lot of other people do though. And it works for for me as a as a member of a community is to do the brute force uh, Google Calendar invite. So, uh, like I'm in some communities where the I get a calendar once it's on my calendar, you know, I'm going if I accept it. Yeah. So. That's it's, been the other big request from people is to have some sort of calendar, which you can do it through Zoom, right? Can you just do the Google invite, or do you have to do a special separate Google Calendar invite? Uh, usually the ones I see working, uh, so somebody at the, the education company will, uh, just use their Google calendar and go add like whatever it is, 30, 50, 500 names to it. It's a huge effort, but, uh, oh. yeah, <laughs> but it works like, and the other thing too, that I know you have your own circle app, but I've also seen a lot higher show up rate. If we create a Facebook event, I mean, you have a Facebook group, but you don't have a Facebook group for your community, but it's kind of meeting people where they already are. Like another thing I would try, I just haven't done personally is, um, well, I don't, it would be hard since you're so global as well as the text message reminder, like, Hey, starting now click here. Mm. I, people come to calls all the time, like while they're driving or grocery shopping and stuff. It's like, it's, yeah, that's true. Oh, we have yeah. got quite a few people doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, and then my tip for you on the member-like calls, you said you were putting together a checklist or some kind of framework is to definitely do that. So some of the best uh, ones I've seen, especially in like large catalog sites is they have a, like a teaching framework so that uh, people just get really used to the format and it feels really familiar. Um, and I've seen it where people uh, like if you weren't there, your assistant would still be there and kind of help orchestrate the call. Uh, cause when it feels like somebody else, they just show up to like a webinar or something and it doesn't feel familiar, like the Josh Hall experience, even though it's Josh's, uh, tech or whatever. Um, there's just a little bit of a disconnect, but if they know like, okay, this is a part where this happens, here's the content, here's. I know if I ask a question, I'm probably going to get about a seven minute answer or whatever. When people know what to expect, it feels really familiar, comfortable, and you'll get the most engagement. So that's cool. Um, yeah, yeah. Putting, basically putting a handbook together with just you know, the mission of it. What I expect is, you know, if you're going to be a host, you know, you are representing me and this brand, and this is what I expect. I'm um, going to give some like starter questions. And then as it evolves, we'll probably really decide on whether certain calls are going to be topical or 
just open-ended or just like a chance to share struggles and stuff like that with luckily with my club it's most everyone who are super active are the founding members and they're such good people i I, i'm more so wanting to set the precedent so when new people join yeah we have that in place to to help people and i want new people to feel comfortable to really dive into those as well i think again that's going to be a great chance for people to really get engaged uh i think it's going to be awesome yeah, that's that's one of some a uh, couple challenges I've had is with new people feeling like it's a little overwhelming. Like maybe it, we're talking about some tech issues that make them feel like, oh wow, this is a little advanced. Am I in the right place? So I always try really hard to make people feel comfortable, and uh, especially on their first call. Yeah, oh yeah. And um, go ahead. I was gonna say I do think that's where I'm so glad I did not make my web design club my courses because. I would just think if I had all my courses in this club, because I had debated on doing that. We talked about that last time yeah. about like, should we roll everything into a $97 uh, monthly plan? It would just be so much. It would like, I've got hundreds of videos between all my courses. It would be way too daunting to figure all that out. So I love the idea of having this as the, these are the top folks who are, you know, my, like now they're like my best friends are like my tribe, my tribe of people. So, um, yeah, I, I'm. We're off to a really good start with that. It's it's already you know profitable at this point. Um, I'm spending less and less time now that the systems are in place. So now I'm really ready to to kind of continue to tweak it and evolve that because it's really and again it's 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 the content. It's it's not only the people who I, I love connecting with and helping out directly, but it's the content that I'm now able to pull from for my podcast and YouTube. And, and now as I enter into this web design entrepreneur realm, that's what I'm really excited about. That's cool. Well, one more toolbox or tool for your toolbox that I've done is, uh, and seen other people do is the three day boot camp, which is a little intense. Like you can only do it like two or four times a year if you want to do it. But it's like a, basically an extended version. That's not just like a virtual summit. But it's like a um, a really in depth training where people participate. They're not. Just, it's not just like I'm at a conference and I'm watching stuff. It's like we're interactive. I've done stuff with like interactive whiteboards, like uh, what was it called, Miro or something like that. Uh, but teaching like instructional design processes and things, and uh, doing these like and for like six hours a day with like scheduled breaks and stuff like that. And I was blown away how much engagement and show up and people coming and staying all the way through for that. It's very intense to pull off, but uh, like, for example, I brought in a instructional designer friend from Europe who was one of my customers. He actually was like the expert on instructional design. We created like the container for it and we ran people through the, um, through the process. And I've done that both during the week about- and over the weekend, depending upon okay. the market. Like sometimes it, it's, I've tried both and they both work. So I had thought about doing a summit at some point. So maybe it would be something like that. That would be a really kind of immersive type of experience with a lot of different colleagues and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Summits, summits are good too. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. That, yeah, that gives me a lot of clarity with the club. I feel like I'm on the right track with that. Um, it's, it's a lot of work, you know, it's the community building is definitely a lot of work, but it, it suits me. Like it's, you know, I would so much rather have a hundred people that I talk with on an ongoing basis and know rather than a hundred thousand subscribers 
that I don't know at all. And uh, that's just, I think it's much more, it's a deeper, more fulfilling path that way. Like you I, also I, have I the, um, you have the upsell that you haven't done yet, which is the, uh, the mastermind retreat. Did we ever talk about this? You mentioned it. Yeah. I know it's super popular. I know it's different with COVID, but I, I, I actually do. I, the last call we had, I had quite a few people saying they would love to, to fly and fly somewhere and do a meetup. I, my goal was to tack on like a, a web design club hangout onto a word camp. Oh yeah, that's smart. So I don't know, I don't know what that's looking like because I don't want people to have to fly from like Ireland just to meet up at a coffee shop for two hours and then go back. I wanted to make it, you know, they can spend a weekend somewhere to make it really worth their time. So um, I'm kind of holding out to see what happens there with WordCamps. I don't know if there's any plans for those to be in person. At well, I think they were canceled for 2021, but I was uh, the last WordCamp Europe, which I had tickets and plane tickets and Airbnb for, was in Portugal. And uh, I was bringing some of my team members in. I was organizing this big party. Um, and unfortunately, that all got canceled. But doing some kind of... Uh, it's, I think it is smart to like tack on. That's the cool thing about knowing your audience. Like If people in your audience are WordPress professionals, not just like any agency or whatever, which I mean, you're a WordPress guy, Divi guy, that gives you the focus of like, okay, well, what events can I tack on to? So. Yeah. And, and I know there is a difference between just having like a casual hangout and meetup versus like a, you know, getaway mastermind type group, you know, you're paying to be there type of thing. I know that's quite different. So I'm definitely open to that as well one day, which would be awesome. Cool. Well, what else? Like what else? Uh, where's the friction? Like it, the, your, so your, sto- your story is so impressive because, um, you just keep iterating and iterating and productizing and adding value and building community. So you're like, you have the, I see it when the, with the people where it works is you have this like passion, this iterative approach, uh, being okay with imperfection. You kind of have to get over that if you're going to make yeah. progress. So where <laughs> that's the truth. Well, <laughs> yeah. I think one of the biggest, so one of the biggest, I think challenges that I'm facing now is just content. Like, like marketing content or yeah. Uh, yeah. product? I, I, I grew my, my, my big kind of breakthrough, I guess, if you could say, was my YouTube channel because I did Divi tutorials. I became known as the Divi guy. I really built up a great YouTube channel with Divi tutorials and web design stuff. Um, that has since really morphed into basically the video show of my, my podcast. Um, my... I haven't really kept track of the numbers. Like I just crossed 2 million views, which is really cool. But most of that is coming from previous YouTube videos. Um, And because my brand has changed again, like we talked about earlier, I'm not the Divi guy anymore. So I'm not really interested in making it a Divi tutorial channel. So now I'm like, it's a little different. My podcast just suits me so well. And that's where my most of my attention has been is just to my podcast and interviews with folks like you and other people who we've talked about. So that's, but that's much more of the agency owner and the, the, um, the entrepreneur. I'm not really doing too much tactile web design type of stuff. Now, if I do an episode on tactile stuff, it goes over really well, but it's not necessarily a technical web design podcast. So when it comes to content and thinking about all the content I'm going to create, around all my courses and stuff moving forward, I find myself in a bit of a tricky spot because now I'm like, okay, what the heck do I do with my YouTube channel? Do I, you know, like I... I got some ideas for you. 
Okay, I, I'm open. I'm open. I, I love like where the podcast is headed. I'm really secure with that. I guess one of the biggest pain points is my YouTube channel and my social media. Like Facebook's weird now. There's yeah. all sorts of crap that's going on with with boosting. My account is actually unavailable to boost right now. Somehow I got flagged and yeah. something. You know, I I don't know. I don't. Oh, the race course, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> right. I don't even care. Like I get yeah. so much good response from my podcast and my other channels now that I don't really care about Facebook anymore. So, um, yeah, content marketing, particularly Facebook and YouTube, YouTube is a biggie. That's kind of where my, probably my biggest challenge is to think through. All right. I think I, I think I got you here. Um, so we're focusing on the web entrepreneur, right? Like, well, that, that's the thing. I still, my YouTube channel is largely the web designer and agency yeah. owner. So that's where like, but they're evolving. Right. So are we going to have three YouTube channels or are we going to have like three playlists on one YouTube channel? That's what I have now essentially is playlists. So I could absolutely have, well, yeah, the playlist thing is great. Now what's interesting though, is YouTube typically brings much more of the web designer because they're looking up tutorials. They're like, how do I build a website in Divi? How do I edit CSS on this part of Divi? That's, that's where I'm like, I always get much more traffic and way more views on technical stuff on YouTube. If it's about Google Analytics or migrating WordPress, the technical stuff. If I post how to get clients, that'll get quite a bit. If I post about entrepreneurial type stuff, it's not going to get near as much traffic. So that's where what I've realized is YouTube is great for web design, tutorials, design stuff, and business owner type stuff. Um, entrepreneurial based stuff is better on podcast. Nice. That's kind of what I've, what I've found. <laughs> well, let's look at a, like a, a podcast funnel here. What if for the web entrepreneurs, what are, uh, like three of their most burning pain points that you're going to help them with, with your, with your products that you've created or not created yet? Um, content marketing for sure. They want to know like, how do I. They want leads. traffic. Yeah, they want leads. How do, how do I get leads that are different than just like a person in a business to business group needing a website? That's yeah. a big one. Um, the actual content creation, like how to like their services, like how do they create their own course? They that's a biggie. Um, even the other stuff, like I get so many questions about people wanting, they're curious about my podcast. How, how did I set up my podcast? What do I use? That's a big one. Like the, the tools and tech behind some of this other stuff that's outside of web design. So right. I would say creating the content, getting those leads. And then um, I think how to integrate it because it's so open-ended. Just like I struggle right now with figuring out how, where do I want to go with this? That's what they're facing as well. Is it's not. It's to be honest. It's way easier to learn web design, learn Divi, and go to networking groups and start getting web design clients and build your agency. It's way easier to do that than to have a much more open-ended path of entrepreneurship where it really is kind of up to you to what you want to focus on. All right. So we've got our our five pain points are creating a podcast becoming a podcaster, uh, getting organic leads, overwhelm just with the whole system of it all, uh, how to actually productize into a training product like a course. And then um, if you go into a smaller chunk, how to create meaningful, educational, valuable content. 
Yeah, and I, I would say maybe this links into like the overwhelm, but strategy, just web web strategy in general, like where you know where do you want to position yourself? That that's a biggie. If maybe a couple of those would be summed up into web strategy, that that is definitely a biggie. So I've seen this before. You're you're like me, so you're you're a positive person. Uh, so organic leads. Uh, what's like, if someone's experiencing pain around that, what does it feel like? Um, it's, uh, like their money stressed, right? Is that the pain, pain point? Uh, that's probably the overarching stress of, of every entrepreneur and web designer. Overwhelm is the pain point on the other side of lacking a coherent, Mm. uh, strategy. Um, uh, just uh, by the way, Chris, yeah, when I sold my agency last year, I thought for sure I would wake up the next day and feel like the world is my oyster. I thought I would feel free and just like, oh my gosh, I can do whatever I want, whatever I want. The complete opposite happened. Yeah. I felt completely overwhelmed because now this thing that I created is my full time deal. And there's so many different ways to go. And at that point, I'd already kind of shifted into doing more high-end type stuff. I wasn't necessarily just doing Divi tutorial. It was a lot easier when I was running my web design agency and I was just creating content for web designers. So it was like the polar opposite happened. And I I think that's probably what a lot of my web entrepreneur students are facing is they're probably used to doing their services. And then once you break into something new, it's it can be daunting because of the the unclear path. It's also new. Like yeah. what we're doing is brand new. There's no go to college to become a online entrepreneur. It's the school of hard knocks, boots on the ground, figure stuff out type of stuff. So I think um, that's a big challenge and a pain point as well as the, the strategy aspect of things. 100%. Um, and then on the other side of uh, like productizing, I often see that like as uh, like the course creation is the the pain point is imposter syndrome because people are like I can't they just can't see it they don't know what to do it's just completely over it's overwhelming but it also feels like there's all this self doubt and imposter syndrome stuff um, content chaos like the actual making of the content is feels like uh, like I would just call it in general a creator block like whether you're trying to make a podcast or make a lesson or make a YouTube video, that's, that's there. And then the podcasting, uh, without having a podcast, you're, uh, you kind of feel like, a. I, I know nobody's like a strong word. It's like, uh, you just don't have a platform. Like you're, you're invisible is what that feels like. Yeah. So, so we've identified like five red hot pain points in your audience and also what the solution is. Each one of those solutions to get organic leads, to have a web strategy, to uh, have a plan for a course, to be able to create the content and to have a viable podcast. Each one of those could hold a um, some kind of lead magnet that you send people to. Outside of that, um, each one of those pain points could have 10 related uh, podcast episodes. So I'm giving you a year's worth of content if you had a weekly podcast here. So if uh, if we look at uh, web strategy, let's say we had you created like a um, an opt in for a uh, like a one pager. Like have you ever seen like the lean canvas where you draw a business plan on like one page? 
Uh, I've never heard of that term, but I've seen you know similar similar type of setups to where yeah, there's some sort of opt in or some sort of funnel, and that that is kind of what I'm doing now. As my whole goal, well, my my original goal this year was to build a bunch of different funnels for design courses, but then I decided to really cater to these web entrepreneurs with some new courses. So my goal is to continue to build out these web entrepreneur courses, addressing those pain points that you just mentioned, and then have and, and create more of these like lead gens and funnels that are going to take people into free resources and webinars and then into those courses. So if we look at like the web strategy one, like what's an example, just more micro problem within web strategy that uh, your people have? Uh, one of my close colleagues who has a podcast, we actually, he, he's in my web design club and I specifically, this is when I realized m- most of what I do as far as coaching in the club with, with just chatting with people left and right is strategy. I'm, I'm yeah. helping people look at, okay. And a, and a lot of this, a couple examples, one, a new member who's super engaged, he started his own business, joined a networking group and his stuff like that, but he's also an extremely talented developer. Yeah. And just by being in the club, he started working with a lot of different people in the club. And I told him, you're really dealing with two different customers. You've, you're a white label partner. You're, you're working with other web designers, helping them out with development and backend stuff. It's super complex. And you're customer facing with just helping the average business owner build a website. So that's an example of like a typical strategy type situation. Another one similarly is uh, my my colleague Keegan. I don't know if you've ever connected with him. Keegan Lanier? Yep. Yeah. So he's the host of Divi Addicts. Well, it was the Divi Addicts podcast, but what I've helped him create is he's actually completely rebranded and he's doing a podcast that is based off his experience with a getting ready to go full-time because he's not a full-time web designer yet. He's actually still working for a restaurant full-time. He does web design on the side. He has a heart for teaching. He loves sharing what he knows. And he's also working with clients. But I told him, like, Keegan, you're only able to give, like, 20% of your time to to any of this stuff because you're working full-time. And um, he's ready to make that leap. So I helped him kind of put up a strategy in place to where he is going to share every step of his journey going full-time and eventually quitting his job and getting his processes in place, working with clients. And then he's going to become a web entrepreneur where he builds his business up and then shares what he knows through online courses, just like I've done. So a couple examples of how we look at the strategy. Well, those are, uh, those are uh, podcast episodes right there. Like the first one is how to pick your core customer. And there's a whole conversation that can ensue around that. And you could even do it with the person you helped or do a solo show or you jam on it or find an expert at positioning that you interview. Um, uh, do a case study with Keegan about how you helped him, uh, how to transition from part-time to full-time web design with an eye for the future around productizing and sharing the productizing the journey along the way. Like these are... I, the way I look at it, like every, we find the five hot buttons and there's uh and go to the one that you wanted, that you're the most excited and passionate and prolific about, which sounds like is web strategy. Yeah. So, and then you can build 10 podcast episodes around that that are very like niche problem focused. And uh, that, that is kind of what I'm doing. Like both yeah. of those examples, I fully intended on making those episodes. Um, 
in a couple, both those cases, I wanted to wait till they were a little farther along. And then in the case of the first one, Jacob, who is essentially a, a service, you know, customer facing, and then also a white label partner, I wanted to bring him on eventually and say, you know, like we talked about this initially, how you began to serve web design customer or web design colleagues, as well as different customers. Um, so that's definitely kind of where I use my coaching in the club as content. My question here though, is do I keep that all under the Josh Hall web design show or is it worthwhile having a very clear distinction between web entrepreneur and web designer or business owner? Or, or do I continue to have these three, you know, these three different people, this, these three different customer types all under my brand at joshhall.co? I think the biggest opportunity here is to figure out how to think about this as one person at different stages. Okay. Because I'm just like, I'm putting myself in the shoes of somebody wanting to learn Divi and web design. If they really like the podcast, they want to learn about pricing and contracts. If they hear an episode about Keegan, who I'm teaching strategy on, you know, going full time, well, that would be very applicable. But the more strategy stuff, I wonder if they would just tune that out. Or, or if that maybe would inspire them to say like, okay, maybe I can really, maybe I need to think deeper about this. Maybe there's more to than just building websites. I guess that's something I could think about as well. Some people like to dream too. Like they like to think about the future and where they might end up and they might aspire, be interested in learning about what Keegan's doing. But, uh, so they're kind of like looking into the future because it's the same person, like where that, where they could end up. I mean, that's part of the challenge too with uh, somebody who evolves and doesn't go through one transformation, but goes through like these three transformations is that, um, you know, they need to like kind of see the target. Like I remember when I was first moving online, I, I, was, I first just wanted to learn how to drive the internet and was fascinated with WordPress. And that's cool. But I would still listen to podcast episodes with like software entrepreneurs on Mixergy even though like they were like, wait, they've like exited and made all this money and whatever, blah, blah, blah. But uh, I would still learn like valuable marketing lessons and product lessons and stuff yeah, like that. That's a good point. And I guess the other aspect of that is if I were to do three different podcasts, I'm not going to be interested in the technical web design podcast. That just doesn't interest me. I can hit on that now, but um, yeah, that, that reaffirms what I'm doing now with keeping it under this brand and just having these three different, you know, subsets of, of customers. Cause they, they really do blend together very interestingly. There's something um, called the bowling pin strategy too, which might give you permission to not have to always serve three at the same time, which is that maybe you went to market like with the Divi and the web designer and you got this, this bowling pin and you knock that one down. And uh, then you're looking at like, okay, we need to run web agencies and you started to get into the strategy stuff and the entrepreneur and the business building stuff. Uh, Then you knock that one down and maybe now we're going to another bowling pin, but it's still in the same, like we're still focusing on the same person. And there could, there may be like a whole other row of pins you haven't thought about yet. Mm, That's true. That's a good analogy. Uh, But um, it's okay to like transition. Like I was talking to you before we started recording. I'm like, I have similar challenges. I'm looking at all these different avatars that use my product. And for a long time, I've been, I focus on the WordPress professional. Um, and, but some, some of my content is more for the, like the expert industry, you know, like somebody who wants to teach online, but isn't necessarily a WordPress person. Mm. Um, 
So, so, but they're all like, when I look at my board here, there's 12 different bowling pins out here. They all need my product. They, they may not use all the exact same parts of it, but they, they still need it. And it's okay if I switch from like some expert stuff over to somebody, a business owner who's trying to train their employees and they're trying to think through that and they need an LMS for that. Yeah. So it's, well, it, yeah. That's great. Yeah. And it, this, this conversation has given me so much clarity about these three subsets because I am branching into this, this third customer base now. And I definitely think either way, I'll probably tweak my podcast intro at some point because I'm really just focusing on the first two people. But in, in the intro, it says, uh, learn how to build awesome websites and, and build a web design business that gives you freedom and lifestyle love. Um, although I guess that could encapsulate web entrepreneur as well. Um, but I may even simplify that just to have something a little more generic that I have room and it kind of opens the door to talk about technical web design stuff, but then also business and also more entrepreneurial based stuff. If you could fill in this blank, I think it would help you a lot, which is I help blank uh, start, grow and productize something. I don't know. I got to think about it more, but this kind of statement can kind of help with that. Like a lot of experts yeah. have like three pillars. So maybe it's for you, it's like design, uh, the business. What, what's the, ver I'm looking for verbs. Yeah. Well, so far it's, it's designer, owner, and entrepreneur. Um, that's really the, the three. So as of right now, my homepage says, learn how to build awesome websites and create a web design business that gives you freedom and a lifestyle you love. Freedom and a lifestyle you love was very intentional. That's brought a lot of people who are work from homers and people who, yeah. your vibe attracts your tribe motto. Yeah. Um, so I've got the first two. Now I need to figure out how to link in web entrepreneurs. And what I might do is continue to build out my entrepreneur-based courses and then really start to market that when I, when I have more courses to funnel them to. Because as of right now, the only stuff I'm doing in the entrepreneur side of things are is my brand new course on building a course. And then we can talk about that in my club. Um, I don't have anything on podcasting yet. I don't have anything on video market. Well, a couple of things on video marketing, but that's a big one, nothing on email marketing. So I think that's where I'll probably want to build those courses out and then start to create more content around that. It's kind of the, my foreseeable future, but I love that idea, Chris, of like being really intentional about and encompassing all three. So maybe it's something like learn how to, um, uh, create web designs, a web design business and, and, I don't know. I'm trying to think of these kind of simple exercises around a value proposition and an elevator pitch and, and all this uh, positioning statement are hard. They're they're hard, and oh, they took me forever to come up yeah. with that little that what I just read to you is what I have on my podcast as well. Like that was I, I could tell that, that was up. good because it it just rolls and I'm like yeah I, I get that I, I feel the like I hear the resonance. Sometimes people try to pack too much in too, which is a challenge. It was so tricky. Let me read that again, just because I think it's worthwhile thinking yeah. about a headline like this, because this is, this is the intro of my podcast. It's what's on my website. So learn how to build awesome websites and create a web design business. Those that encapsulates what you will learn when you go to my site with those two first, those first two groups, those are kind of the, the challenges and the results. And on top of that, the benefits of doing both of those are so that you can have freedom and a lifestyle you love, which is huge. It also, 
I'm not saying learn web design so you can be a work from home parent or something specific. It's whatever you want. If you want to travel and you want to have the freedom to do that, or if you want to have the freedom to be financially free with your family, whatever it is, I tried to really encapsulate all those folks. So I think that's a good base. Now, as I build my entrepreneur stuff, I'm going to try to integrate that into to this brand. Yeah, I was just uh, I was just writing as you're talking, and I just playing with it. I help people build awesome websites, agency businesses, and digital products so they can have you know the freedom and lifestyle they they, they love. That's good. I, I yeah, that's a good call because to say a web entrepreneur, it doesn't really roll off the tongue and that kind of thing. So yeah, digital products. That's because I guess that would be what the ultimate goal is as a web entrepreneur. You want to sell a digital product. That is what you're. As I think about a web entrepreneur, that's a good point, Chris. The ultimate goal, like it's easier for me to to point out the first group and say, I'm going to teach you how to build an awesome website. You're going to learn how to build awesome websites you can sell. The other aspect for the second level is people who want to have a web design business that they can build and grow. And then the third, I could teach them how to web, being a web design entrepreneur, but what is all that leading to? Digital products, right? Is that, I mean, that's what a web entrepreneur would sell, right? Is a digital digital product, whether it's information or consulting services or coaching, something like that. Yeah, that's I, I rewrote it again as I help online creators start, build a service business, and ultimately uh, build offer digital products so they can lifestyle and freedom. So that's great. Yeah, if you get your, th- I'm kind of looking for those three verbs. I'm hung up actually on your um, uh, your business owner because uh, the the website is you're helping this avatar start. The digital products helps them scale, but what's the verb in the middle? That that is building. That that would be, I would say probably build or grow. or grow. Yeah, yeah, probably grow because most of them are not going to be big agency owners that have thirty people working for them and they have an office downtown somewhere. That's that's, it's it's going to be freelance solopreneur businesses primarily, maybe with a small team. That's that that is really start grow scale scale. I guess yeah, yeah, yeah. Scale through the digital products, but scale can scare a lot of solopreneurs too. Like I'm afraid of the term scale. What about productize? Does that sound sexier? A little, a little bit, a little bit. I think, um, I think that would probably sound better than scale because scale could also be entwined in with a, with an owner. It's like, well, do I want to scale my agency? A lot right. of people ask me about scaling their agency, which means they want to hire a team and grow. Like so, but this is this is scale on a, a whole different type of like entrepreneurial level. So I do think sell digital products or productizing. I think productizing is probably the, the better term there. Let me tell you one from your buddy, James's buddy, Taki Moore, which is, I think he did this, is something called the ACES growth engine. So ACES stands for attract, convert, expand, scale. So Taki Moore helps uh, people become million dollar coaches. That's his pitch. That's the name of his book. And, uh, by having those verbs, now we have our buckets of like content and products like attract. That's the one you're talking about, about get leads, marketing, convert, the sales, expand is, you know, kind of like what we're doing here. We're expanding what this person can do and increase their revenue. 
and then scale is just taking it to another level. So I'm looking for that model. It's like a, it's a growth engine for a particular avatar. Yeah. I, I like that idea for sure. Cause they really do. It fits into to all those buckets for sure. I, I think what's going to be difficult for me to differentiate here is I think a lot of people who are running their, a lot of people who are running their businesses are going to be akin to doing more and selling a digital product. A lot of people who are learning web design are going to be all about growing their own business where the biggest difference with my audience will be the people who are starting to learn web design and then people who are becoming entrepreneurs. That's what's going to be, I think, tricky for me. Like, I don't want people who are full-blown entrepreneurs to get bogged down with technical content I produce, which they could always just not listen. They don't need to listen to every podcast episode. Uh, and then I also don't want people who are just wanting to learn web design be overwhelmed with you know entrepreneurial stuff if that's not even in their in their frame of vision right now. So I think that would be the biggest trick. Well, maybe you have a hurdle here. Cause like, uh, I think your, your guy, James, at one point I heard him on his podcast talk about, he just, he stopped with beginners and he went to people who were scaling, who were making at least a hundred thousand dollars or something. So he drew a line in the sand and he's like, I start here. And he just kind of let go of the beginners. And maybe they still get good free content on the podcast or whatever, yeah. but his his premium offering is for people. He has that qualifier. Yeah. Like the, so thinking about that might be helpful for you. Like, yeah. wh- how do you want to qualify? Like, do you maybe want to move the line past? Because that's okay, like to change your starting line and and do that. Um, that's a great point, Chris. I can't believe it's taken us over two hours to get to this point, but I think you're right. I think... I think potentially where I'm at right now is I do need to limit or maybe just bump up that starting line, um, which I kind of already have with the way I formatted my podcast and my website right now. It's learn how to build awesome websites. It's not necessarily learn web design. For, yeah. I, I guess I would, if I were to read that, and most of my courses are attracting students who they know, you know, they know the basics of web design, but they want to know more. They want to know how to create sites that convert. They want to know the process. They want to know SEO, all that kind of stuff, which I have all my courses around. Um, so maybe, maybe I revamp my beginners course and say, you know, Divi starter course, or, or maybe I lose the term beginner in anything I'm doing um, to make it more. So like, if you're, if you're like just getting into web design, you don't know anything about anything. Here are some, and that's where I can have a resources to have it. Here are some amazing colleagues of mine producing stuff that can help you. Once you're ready to start really building websites and make this a business, this is the starting point. That's something I could look into. And here's a scary idea for you. What if you cut all the um, beginner stuff and put that out for free, like move that out into uh, not from behind the paywall. And then, then that's just generating pipeline for the for the uh the business owners and the the web entrepreneurs i'm open to it i'm definitely definitely open to it what i would probably do in that case is just maybe have something different because i don't all the people who have paid for my beginners course um i don't necessarily want to make that free after they've paid for it so maybe i would just create something different that would be maybe maybe it could even be 
something that would be before that. Like the, even my Divi beginners course, it really is a crash course on Divi and WordPress. So maybe I'll create a free course or a free something that is, here's how to get started in web design, you know, an overview of hosting, an overview of, of my preferred theme Divi and what WordPress is. Here's some basics on how to get started. Here's the next step. And that's where it could lead into maybe that first beginner's course. Um, that would kind of set the tone that that's something I would definitely, I had kind of planned on doing that anyway, but I think the idea of moving that needle a little further is really interesting for sure. If you were to have like a funnel filter in front of your paid stuff and you could only ask three questions. Oh, sorry. Hold on, Chris. Can you hold on that? I just, I was just thinking, this is great. What if I move? What if I made my Divi course? If I change the title to not a Divi beginners course, but what if I really took Divi to the next level, even potentially brought in another expert, like you said, to kind of partner up with that? What if I kept that as more of a Divi advanced course, but then I did a free Divi beginners course that is just, here's the basics of Divi, here's how you can build a site, blah, blah, blah. Maybe it's a couple hours, few hours. And then, you know, if you really want to take it to the next level with Divi, here's the advanced stuff. Here's where we can really, and that's the pay. That's the $97 and, and maybe that would really bring them to that next tier of designing websites and becoming a, a, a business owner. I like yeah. That. And if you're concerned about your past customers, you can always um, give them, I would just, just give them free would, access to the new thing. Right. Yes. I, I would essentially make that course right now. I would rename it and yeah. I would probably do like a version 2.0 and yeah. make it a Divi advanced course. That way everyone who's been through it, I'm like, Hey, surprise. I came out with this new course. Since you were enrolled in the beginner's course, this is the revamped version of it. Here you go. It's basically a new free course for you. And then I may have a free one. Um, yeah, I like that. I like that idea. Yeah, I like that a lot. Let me make a note of that real quick. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I just wanted to get that. Oh, no, I'm the same way. When I have a, a good idea, sometimes I'm like, wait, I have too gotta, many good ideas. I need to stop. Got to put it out in the world. <laughs> um. So my, my other question for you, just as we're like zeroing in on the avatar is if we have a funnel filter, like people that are like, have too many leads, um, sometimes will create a funnel filter, like a checkbox that, um, or two that like kind of qualifies the lead in the sales process. So if like the obvious, well, it's not necessarily the obvious one, but one that people ask all the time is like, what's your budget? or um, how big's your team? Uh, I mean, there's a lot of ways that companies do this to us all the time and we're not even aware of what they're doing. But um, yeah. uh, if you could, I, for your perfect fit web entrepreneur uh, customer, like if you could ask three things, what would they be? A couple ideas that come to mind are like, do you, uh, how, how much time, and remember we're disqualifying too. How much experience do you have with WordPress? Like zero, one to two, uh, two plus or whatever. And like, maybe the zeros are like not a good fit. I don't know. Maybe it, this yeah, goes back. I, yeah. And I think that's where having that initial filter on my site, right. As like under my title and, and what this is all about start here. Kind of like what James Schramko has on super fast business. There's kind of four paths you can go down. So that yeah. would be the three. What, where are you? How can I help you? Do you want to learn web design, build your web design business, or take your online business to a whole nother level kind of thing? That's great. Uh, so that's, I think that's where I would tweak that. And then I would probably have a set of challenges or pain points for each one of those. So maybe the entrepreneur would be like, 
Um, are you sick of doing client work, service work? Are you looking, do you want to productize? Do you want to build something you can sell over and over? You know, that's kind of, or do you want to build an audience that's not, uh, or do you want to build a new audience or, you know, that's kind of going back to those five things you had earlier that kind of addresses those. So that's, I think that's a good idea of what to, to strive for with that. I like it. Um, then all the, on the content, I'll just continue to, I think right now to kind of put a cap on this, my plan is to, to first off, build out my entrepreneur suite of courses, continue to do my podcast. That's really addressing all three, but maybe I'll just, maybe I'll just start sprinkling in some more entrepreneurial stuff. Like my last podcast episode was about, uh, a course landing page that converts. So it's a little bit different than an average, just web design page. So I think I'll start adding some more entrepreneurial type content and then continue to really service the two and then really build out that funnel. Um, and then I'll just, as I get more courses out, I'll have, a, I'll have so many options to build content around all those three. And um, I think I've got, I've really got a good roadmap for the next probably couple of years because I would foresee building out the web entrepreneur stuff. And that should set me up to have a lot of courses to sell and include and continue to build up my membership. Um, that seems like that's a pretty good vision. That's that this has really helped me kind of put a vision and some tactile stuff to all of this. Can you put a face on each one? Like, like for example, you mentioned Keegan, like as a, uh, a web aspiring web entrepreneur or, and he's already kind of moving, but like, like if you can clearly I see can. those, I've yeah. got, I've got members, I've got members in my club. Most of all of them again are the owner. I've got a lot of examples of people being web designers, becoming business owners. Um, now there's a difference between there too. There's a lot of my members who maybe I would consider the first tier, which are designers who just want to do their own thing. They don't want to grow an agency. They just want to build websites and, and have sustainable income. And then there's the people who are like that, but they're like, they're scaling. They want to build a team. They want to free themselves up to work on the business. And that's what leads them in generally to the entrepreneur. So yeah, I can, I definitely have people in all, in all three of those. Because if you're gonna if you're gonna learn yeah. web design, this is a good differentiation too. If you're gonna learn web design from me, you're not gonna learn web design to go work for an agency. You're gonna right. learn web design to become a freelancer for yourself. You're gonna work for yourself. So that first bucket definitely is um, that that definitely encapsulates that too. Which then we get into kind of separating the middle tier out because now I've got solopreneurs versus business owners. Um, but I think either way, if I phrase it as you want to um, learn web design, build websites and start your, and maybe my, maybe my three tiers are this, Chris, maybe you want to start your web, your web design business. Maybe you want to grow your web design business. And then maybe you want to, boom, entrepreneur. Um, productize. I, productize, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I totally get what you're saying. Like, I mean, I could see it in, in on the board behind me. Like this expert you're talking about, the web entrepreneur. I have like the course creator, the coach and the course marketplace. So even once I pick one, boom, now there's three more segments under that. And that's okay. Like it might be worth doing, like you said, like, oh, well, there's these different types of uh, uh, agency people. Like there might be a freelancer. Uh, well, I, I mean, you're, you're, the way you divide it up is a little different, but um, yeah, like that's what I was asking earlier about like, are we just doing courses? Or are we doing more broadly digital products? Because if we do more broadly digital products, which is fine, there's going to be some sub avatars in there. There's going to be like 
the outgoing that, like coach. There's going to be the introverted, yeah. like passive income guy. And then I, there's, I think that's yeah. where I will probably discover what I'm attracting over the next year yeah. with the entrepreneur. Cause like, I, I don't know too much about affiliate income right now. I have a little bit, um, you know, I've got some affiliate sales and stuff, but that's not an area that I would feel comfortable teaching on anytime soon. Um, email marketing. Similarly, I, I, I would feel probably enough after, at the end of 2021 to feel comfortable doing an email marketing course, but I'm still learning so much right now. I, I don't feel in my heart that I'm, I, I mean, I could, I could do like a beginner's course, maybe a crash course on email marketing, but if I want to do a course, I want to do a good course. So that's why I got to this point where I'm like, I feel great about my course creation process. And I feel really good about sharing what I've learned because I took course sales to six figures in one year. Like I feel good about sharing that. Now, affiliate income is a little bit different, email marketing. So um, I think I'll kind of see, to answer the question, to see yeah. you know what, what type of people I'm attracting. Um, I think it's going to be a lot of selling knowledge. Uh, I think that'll be a big one. Affiliate income for sure could be in there, but I think selling knowledge... Um, I'm about to start Pat Flynn's webinar course. That's actually something I might pull from and and I could potentially teach on hosting a workshop or a webinar that, and that kind of thing. So, so yeah, I'm excited. That's going to be that's where I think like I could very well see that end of the business being built out over the next couple of years because you I mentioned don't know how long this stuff takes and it's it's going to it's it'll probably take that long for that to really be super clear. What's your uh, course? You said you've got your course creation process down. Like, what does it take you from end to end time wise to do it? It all depends on the length of the course, how many course videos. Um, and are you, are, are you trying to transition away from any kind of tutorial to all talking head or not necessarily? Uh, I do all three. So I do talking head just myself. I do talking head with graphics that like the, the, the main points I cover will start right when I hit, you know, when I, right when I'm talking about them, uh, I'll do more tutorial base. So this last course I created, which is my entire course creation process. Now I do use learn dash. I, uh, we talked about before I went live. Like I, you know, I, had I discovered lifter before learn dash, I probably would be with that, but I've just, I already built my customer base on learn dash. It's what I feel comfortable with using. So this course is a learn dash course, but it's more than just technical learn dash. That's only one module. There's three main modules. The first module is creating the content and creating the actual course. Second is building it in learn dash. So there's some technical stuff. I don't have any talking head in that module. It's all just screen recording. And then the third is marketing, building the yeah. sales page, launching, selling consistently. So really encapsulate my it encapsulates my business right now. Um, How long so did that take? That took. It was interesting because I started the process and then I stopped because I launched my student center, which was a lot of work. So that took me a couple. I, there was kind of a couple of weeks where I I got the outline in place and then I'd stop and then came back to it. Um, it was probably fair to say it was a good month of, uh, doing that along with running, you know, my business here with content creation and everything else. Uh, it, the course is seven hours total, um, three modules, 24 lessons total. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's, it, it generally takes me anywhere between 40 to 50 hours on a smaller course to maybe 50 to even a hundred hours on a bigger course. This is kind of a mid-range course. My business course was over 30 lessons. That was a 
big one. That was wow. a, that took a long time. That's like a mastery style course. So um, that was a whole different ball game. So yeah, I would say a mid range course takes me about a month to a month and a half, um, depending on how often I'm working on it throughout my weeks and days. That's cool. Um, do you have on uh, YouTube? I was just thinking of the idea. Uh, like people really, I, you said it. I forget the words you said. Something about attracting the vibe of the people or whatever. A vibe attracts your tribe. Yeah, that's that's really cool. Do you have? I mean, it's one thing to run a podcast or do a tutorial, but do you have like a like? Have you ever thought about doing like a documentary style that's not just talking head? Yeah, I did. It's it's my behind the scenes creating a course. Uh, oh, nice. Which yeah. I actually did years ago, two years ago. Um, so that was interestingly enough one of the first opportunities where I started getting people who are interested in doing courses. So again, it goes back to me kind of just keeping in touch with my following and seeing what they're interested in. So yeah, I did a uh, I did a documentary. Yeah, I, I filmed it while I built my Divi Beginners course. It was my 10-day journey. I built that course in 10 days. So that one wasn't too long. Um, but I documented the whole thing and spiced it up to an hour and a half documentary. So that's out there. You can just search uh, Josh Hall behind the scenes making a course. Um, and that was really cool. And I actually mentioned that in the new course I just launched. I said, if you want to see what it looks like when I create a course with Balancing Family and, and everything, that's that's how I did it. Um, so yeah, now I think I'm getting into more and more of that type of content. So, because again, I feel a little out of place when we talk about Divi specific stuff, because I just, I'm not focused on that as much now. I, I'm not, I'm hiring people to do a lot of that stuff now. So I want to, I want to keep my, my, my authority there going for a little while longer. Um, but I'm definitely much more, I think that's going to become more the entry point for people. Um, particularly because a lot of my students, like I said, use other themes. So I don't want to limit people. If somebody uses Elementor, I don't want, I don't want them to think my content isn't going to apply to them. So yeah, the focus will be on the latter two for sure. Just servicing the first group of people learning web design enough and then really diving into the ladders because there's all sorts of resources for people to learn web design. There's less for running an agency at my level, you know, where we're at. So it's just coming to me, so I'm just sharing it. The uh, in terms of like a a lead magnet or some kind of challenge funnel marketing piece to help uh, with the question of uh, which product should I make out of my uh, basically helping them figure out like the end goal from their agency life. That if you had like a, a lead magnet or a free course or a video about that, kind of help them go from uh, you know, they have like the pain owner to entrepreneur or yeah. Yeah. Like, cause there's a lot of overwhelm around. Yeah. That sounds cool, but I have no idea. Like I, I can't read the label from inside the bottle and I have all these things and I use oh, all these tools yeah. and I'm good. Like which product should I make as a web design business owner? Uh, mm. there's, there's something there. And then you're, yeah, they're basically a there. perfect fit for the next phase of you. So that's true. Yeah. Cause I can teach how to build a course, how to do a podcast, how to do video marketing, but those are all the tools to, to do something like the other two are very clear. Learn how to build websites, learn how to grow your own web design business. The third one is a little more open-ended learn how, and I, and I guess maybe it is the ultimate goal. Like we said a little bit ago is selling a digital product, whatever that is, whether it's coaching, consulting, inf info product, affiliate income, 
whatever that that could be potentially. Yeah, like online, in, in online business, maybe create your own online business. I, I don't know. Maybe it's something like that. In, in marketing, like the big idea where the domino falls and the sale becomes easy. I think when the, the, the web design business owner realizes not only that they want to make a digital product, but which one they should make, they're really ready to move forward. And, and, and that's uh, where keeping an eye on my students who are in that fit right now is going to be yeah. super benefit. That's why I'm so glad I have my web design club because I'm getting yeah. the first row seat at what's working. I can see what Keegan does. I can see what Jacob does. I can see what... I've got a couple other students who are doing online courses and adding other stuff to their businesses. I can see what they do. And that can all be the framework for helping people with this third entrepreneurial tier. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, I'm super, maybe super our excited. next call, maybe our next call, we'll have that all solidified. Yeah. 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 Well, it's, it's really good to catch up and I'm really excited to see where you're going. And, um, I think it's good. And I would just encourage you to, spend more time just around that, that positioning statement and like uh, just get those fundamentals dialed. Cause everything's easy when you have the fundamentals and uh, another Australian dude. Uh, have you ever heard of Simon Bowen? Mm -mm. Uh, he teaches these uh, uh, models, like how to draw visually to create frameworks that are super helpful for um people who are pitching anything or, or creating a strategy, they're super awesome. But like this, uh, kind of like, um, Kiyosaki's four quadrant thing, or th these are models. And once, once you have the model and the, the value prop, uh, positioning statement, it's, uh, really cool. He has a, he has a particularly powerful one called the genius model. And if you were to create your genius model, uh, that would just give you all everything you need to know about like the avatar and what content you need to make and, and build a framework. So gotcha. check that out. He's, he's amazing. Um, cool, man. Yeah. That, yeah. I'm excited. This has been great. It is kind of, it's, it's venturing a new territory, but it's still in the, in the realm of, of my people. So I'm, I'm really excited about this, man, Chris. Thanks so much. This was a blast kind of doing an extended talk to really dive into this. This isn't something we could have got through in an hour or so. It was nice to be able to do this. I appreciate your time, man. And, and hopefully this is beneficial to anyone who listens because it's, you know, it's a long coaching style call, but I think this just shows the amount of strategy that goes into something like this that is purely uncharted and is very tailored to whatever, you know, cause somebody could, uh, could take what I'm doing and apply it to a different industry. So, um, yeah, hopefully this is beneficial. I definitely have some more clarity. I've got, I was a little daunted going into this to figure out what to do, but now I honestly can say in full sincerity, talking with you, I feel more like clear than ever yeah. and have a really good path to follow to where like, I know what I'm going to work towards here, which is really cool. Cool. Awesome. Well, I'm super excited for you. I can't wait to see uh, what comes next. And I, and thank you for coming because <clears throat> it's an inspiration. Like I was saying, you embody the qualities of uh, uh, not being perfectionist, continuous improvement. These are some of the psychographic qualities of people that I see in my audience that where that work out well. Is uh, you got to have that. And you you just embody it, and you you're you're passionate, and you you really care about your core customer. Uh, so those three things are present, which means you're going to do great, and that, that helps you overcome the roadblocks. So I can't wait to see the next evolution. 
Oh, that's awesome, Chris. I appreciate it, man. This has been a blast. I really, really appreciate your input. So here's, uh, here's to the next step. And then I can't wait for the next round when we get to talk about this in more detail, see what's worked. Awesome. Well, thank you for breaking the record on the podcast length. <laughs> Thanks, man. And that's a wrap for this episode of LMS Cast. Did you enjoy that episode? Tell your friends and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. And I've got a gift for you over at lifterlms.com forward slash gift. Go to lifterlms.com forward slash gift. Keep learning, keep taking action, and I'll see you in the next episode.